quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome to episode 198. Holy cow. That is a lot of episodes. That is a lot. I say that every every episode since number two, but still. I remember we would say that about episode 20. And I was like, dang, this has like been going on forever. Now that's just another part of our lives. It is. It's Thursday night. It's time to record. <laughs> There's only one thing I... I I, I guess there's only one thing I I depend on is Noah to be there with me. You know, everything else is <laughs> kind of... I am here of, for you. Yeah, I'm here. Are you here for me? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, you. it's it's funny, but that's about the only thing I can depend on for Thursday nights. So. <laughs> be a point where we're going to have been recording podcasts together longer than we work together. That is a crazy thought. Which is kind of weird. We worked together for a long time. We did. And, you know... Technically, you could call this work, too, so. <laughs> Technically, you could. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Let's not dwell on that. I've just weathered a storm of Noah's Tourette's kicking in, so I'm slightly bitter. He's just trying to find other ways to <laughs> cue it up again. Yeah, I'm trying to stoke the fire, so to speak. <laughs> I, I, Noah Tourette's. Sorry about That's this great. broomstick. Don't mind me. <laughs> um, so, Yeah. So we're recording in person. It's been about a month since we've yeah. done that. Yeah. But it's always cool to get in person. For some reason, it seems like we take a longer time planning the show. In person? When we do it in person. I, I think it's just habit because whenever we would do it over Skype, um, we would either A, have another person, so we wanted to impress them, like a third <laughs> co-host, yeah. and sound like we knew what we were doing. We'd be like, oh, as usual, we've got the show notes all queued up. Everything's ready to go. What should we discuss? This is, you know. Um, but when it's... Just you and me, there's no facade for us to try yeah. to maintain. And <laughs> the other right professionalism went out the window. And the other thing is we used to always try to play a game of League of Legends afterwards, so we'd try to blow through the podcast. So That's could, true. You know, get get one or two games of that in. And so. this has resulted, listeners, in longer episodes for you. Yeah. We've given up League of Legends for you. Well, one of us is temporarily. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, in this episode, as always we're going to be letting you know what we've been playing. Yes. We have a massive intro getting to get into, and we also wanted to send some thanks out to Agamemnon, The Reckoning. The Re-Reckoning. Which I thought was a great new title that he'd given himself. I like it. And Military Scott. First of all, Agamemnon wrote this super detailed, illustrated, bullet lists, links, huge email like about Dragon Con. Guide for us to go to, we need to forward that off actually to the other two people who are going yeah, with Yeah, we us. should. Yeah, it was really cool. Thank you so much, Agamemnon, for providing so much detail and, and encouragement and enthusiasm for us going to the show. And it sounds to me like he's going to Dragon Con. Yeah, maybe we can meet up. Yeah. You know? Yeah, let us know. We can coordinate that. And that goes definitely for anybody else out there yep. in listener land. If you're going to Dragon Con, Yes, we will meet you. We can meet you there, and we can say that with authority because yeah. we booked our flights today. Yep. We booked our registrations. There's no shutting us out of this. There one. is no coming back. That's right. 
Unless we cancel everything, which we can only do some stuff. Well, yeah. So. But, uh, so yeah, it's going to be <laughs> me and Mark and also other fellow co-hosts, Scott, Southern Scott. Southern Fried Scott. And Bob. Or Gentleman Jack Scott. I don't know. Gentleman Jack. There's Gentleman Jack Daniels. It's from the <laughs> South. From the South. From the South. And Penetrating Bob. Oh, gosh, yeah. I'm glad he, I didn't remember that sometimes. He used that word too many times one night. the words penetration and thrusting, so I'm kind of glad he's going to be in his own hotel room. Yeah, well, I think that's for the good of all of us. <laughs> I can just imagine what we're going to hear when we walk past the door and you show Yeah, that. I know. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> or something that's we gonna, Those poor we'll pillows will be tortured. <laughs> yeah, so really, I'm sure they really want to meet us now. Oh, yes. We will. Don't worry. We'll have Bob on a leash as usual with his gimp suit. So don't worry. <laughs> Meanwhile, military Scott sent us this game idea. Yes. Now we, for for full disclosure, we can't really go over it on the podcast because we're afraid that it might be stolen. Yeah. And we'll have some stories about uh, Minecraft and other knockoff games that kind of illustrate that point. But uh, yeah, yeah, we don't want to. We are still analyzing his game idea. Um, we have sat down and gone through it. and In great detail. Great detail, but we're not quite ready to report. So, Scott, don't think we just, like, you know, round-filed it. We've just been trying to get some time to talk amongst ourselves about it and, uh, I don't know, kind of vet it out and stuff for you. Without so. revealing it. Right. To anybody. Competitors. Yes. But because there are people from the game industry. Bob and Dan are examples. Listen to our, yeah, or participate in our podcast. Yeah, and, exactly. and Dan has an, a sinister agenda right now to work on some games that, you know, you may have kind of seen before. So That's right. Uh, as you mentioned, I believe. so. Dangerous territory. You're a channel massive. All of the evil brain power at work. Yes. So it, it must be stopped. It must be killed. So like yeah, a so blight on humanity. That's our listener feedback section in summary. Yes. If you would like to write in about this episode, let us know if you're coming to Dragon Con or talk about one of the dozens of stories we're going to cover in this episode. Send it into mail. M A I L. Channelmassive.com. We'll also let you. We, we've got some general geekery. Yep. That we're going to talk about, and a couple topics that we pulled out. Just for roundtable discussion, specifically relating to whether or not games evolve or actually go out to the field to die, at least to certain yeah. genres of games. Put it out to pasture, that horse is way back, ready to be made into glue. <laughs> and also, <laughs> I do love your impressions. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> it was some kind of backwoods, backwoods. <laughs> yeah, farm <laughs> thing. Yeah. <laughs> but also we're going to talk about right. a topic that's easy for all of us to relate to, price cuts for video game hardware and software. When should it be occurring? Is it overdue? And if so, if it's due, what should it be? We'll talk about that. But before that, our intro getting calls and handily divided into very easy to digest sections. First of all, of course, we're going to start with the statistics. Which we will call the hors d'oeuvres. Yes, financial hors d'oeuvres. Yes. Mm. So are you going to get Microsoft, uh, the Minecraft on Microsoft's Xbox 360? No, I will not. I uh, I already have for the PC. I was an early adopter, so I got it cheap. And then I bought it for the iPhone, um, which 
It's kind of cool. It was more curiosity than anything, but um, yeah. Can you share your worlds between the iPhone and the PC? No, no, they're very separate. When they port it, it's not like a seamless kind of thing, so you can't, at least as far as I know, and that's okay. I just really wanted to see how they would do it for the iPhone. It wasn't horribly expensive, so, yeah. So while you are not one of the adopters, apparently there are hundreds of thousands of people out there who are super eager to adopt this game. Within one hour, the game became profitable, according to... One of the so like a third party development and, house, right? By that they mean the port to Xbox 360 became profitable, which is In amazing. One hour. one hour. I don't think they can. They still can't say that about Star Wars: The Old Republic yet. Nope. And even further than that, it's the fastest selling digital game on XBLA of all time. I believe it. Breaking the previous record that was just established a few weeks ago with Trials Evolution. And Trials Evolution is awesome, so... It's a great game. It has a really solid fan base. I mean, the original Trials HD, that was like a marquee title for XBL, which... Yeah. This is like why you should have it. This is a game you have to download if you have an Xbox. Yeah, it's a must-have. Yeah, it was a quintessential example. And so now, Minecraft is that game. That is cool. Um, yeah, amazing. So yeah, congrats to Notch and, all, and the, the folks who actually ported it. Which is, uh, what is the name of the company? Oh, I forgot. 4J Studios. Yeah. Who have also ported stuff, rare titles essentially, Perfect Dark, Banjo-Kazooie, and Banjo-Tooie. They ported all those to XBO uh, in the last previous years. Kind of unsung heroes of that porting activity. It's not a lot of fun. So it's awesome that we're able to participate in something so massive. Yeah. Congrats to them. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Unfortunately, not all is rosy with this Minecraft release, which we'll get into during <laughs> yes. the uh, Oh Snap section. <laughs> a wonderful thing for some, a nightmare for others. Yeah, but before we leave the finance section, we have to talk about Diablo 3 because the game is coming out next week. Oh my god. Are you excited? I am. Not trepidatious? I'm only... You know, I kind of have to say, though, this excitement is artificial. You're... It's not as genuine or true... As your excitement is, Mark. Well, nothing could be so true as my excitement for my shrine. To Blizzard and all things Blizzard. Yeah, all and things Blizzard. Especially Except Diablo. for the Pandaren expansion. Oh, I'm sure you'll be on that. You'll be wearing your kimono. And I just don't see it. I don't see it. <laughs> Practicing your Tai Chi on little logs. Yeah. Sticking out <laughs> of ponds. <laughs> um, no. So, yeah, we're getting... I think most of us are getting Collector's Edition. Yep. You are. I am... Eric is Ryan, our friend of ours. Yeah, he's getting two, plus a digital edition and a digital edition. And I think Scott's getting military. Southern Scott's getting the regular edition. I don't know how many of our listeners are getting it, but I think probably a lot of them are. I don't know if Jason's getting it. That's oh, that's a good question. He was big on Diablo two for a while. He had a. He's got to be. Yeah, he's got to be. I just can't imagine him not. Yeah, well, I don't know. He's such a console kid now. It's hard. To well, see. he was playing the Old Republic recently. That's true, so though. Yeah, anything is possible. We could. I mean, shoot, we might play with the Wolf. We might play with the Wolf Brothers again. That's true. So they're there's, big Diablo two fans. Yeah. So, and the statistics in the finance section support that. First of all, from Blizzard's point of view, Diablo three has set a pre-order record. It has the most pre-ordered Blizzard game out of all the games in Blizzard's library. Wow. Of all time. That is crazy. Surpassing the last record holder, which was... Starcraft 2? Nope. What? Cat 
Eclism. Oh, Cataclysm. Yes. I would have thought StarCraft too. Huh. Yeah, well, there's a caveat to this in that their pre-order numbers are lumping together both traditional true pre-orders of the game oh, and, and people who signed up for the World of Warcraft annual pass, which included oh. Diablo 3, which there's no report on how much that is. I did not fall for that one. That said, over on Amazon.com, which is where a lot of us get our games from, it is officially the most pre-ordered PC game that on Amazon.com. crazy. Wow. Of all time. All time. Which, yeah, that's impressive. So I was talking earlier about why I figure most of our listeners probably are getting the game because numbers like this are insane. Yeah. It's cr- it's been a really weird week because I think it wasn't the Avengers the mo- number one movie uh, for box office sales for an opening weekend? Yeah, like the biggest opening weekend. Yeah, just like crazy. I forget what it was. It was some huge number. Yeah, Have you so, seen it yet? No, I desperately need to. You I, do. You should. It's, I want to see it good. in the theater, too. Really you should. Yeah. I want to take my son and my wife and I. Oh my god, yeah, like they're arguing. especially your son. Yeah. She she's afraid of the violence, but I'm like It's uh, not that violent. Yeah. It is pretty action packed, but, but it's not any worse than the cartoons, I don't think. No, there's a lot of hand to hand combat. Yeah. But even what the Hulk does is kind of cartoony. There's this there is this one thing where this gigantic creature that's on the band, bad guys team, which you've seen in the previews. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a zombie whale, for lack of mixed with an eel, for lack of a better way to describe it. They take one of those down. That's kind of like, oh, it's an animal. Oh right. Uh-huh. But uh, other than that, yeah. it's like me. Yeah. It's, so I, I need to put my foot down or something because I really want to go see it with my boy because he's such a fan. Well, of you play so many comic book games together. Yeah, games. already, right? Yeah. So anyway, that is those records between that and Diablo three. That's pretty crazy. That is. Uh, it's amazing. Unfortunately, we do have one sad story casualty in the financial section. It's not all sunshine and roses. I mean, we've already heard about Nintendo posting its first loss in 30 years, and Sony just posted like a huge loss, uh, like $500 billion or something like that in its quarterly report. But getting specifically into video games, we've heard about BioWare doing some damage control saying, no, 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 no. We aren't losing any players in Star Wars: Old Republic. We're just not having as many concurrent players, right. and so They're therefore we're not gonna we're not gonna mess with the servers. Well, now it's official. The subscribers, the subscriptions, has dropped four hundred thousand right. from one point seven million <laughs> down point three million, which is like what fifteen twenty percent, yeah, or so. Maybe well, small. maybe it's ten to fifteen percent. I don't know. Yeah, it's a big chunk. Either way, yeah, that's, I actually think it's like twenty five percent. Four goes into seventeen. Four, four point times. something times. Yes. Four point two five times. So. Yes. <laughs> I can count on Mark to do the math. <laughs> but there is yeah, the EA folks are like, yeah, uh, we're going to make sure that we take care of it. And what the where the decrease is coming from is from casual players. Who have decided not to renew their subscription or maintain this, their subscription. But who's left is pretty reliable. EA hopes. And they want to make sure the game continues to do well, well because it's a... That'll be an interesting thing when we get to our what, we, what we're playing section since I'm a, currently a subscriber. So I'll give you my take on it. Oh, all right. 
I love the foreshadowing. I love the teasing. I'll, n- I'll now cough insanely, and, and that'll help make. <laughs> now that everybody's sense. like really paying attention, yeah. cough I in fell off my ladder and messed up my back. <laughs> <laughs> we have a brief update from the technology section of Introgenon. Microsoft is getting ready to prep an Xbox 360 specifically Kinect compatible version of its web browser that is IE9. So like with Kinect you should be you should be fully gesture compatible. So yeah. if you start to make the like masturbation gesture with your hand does it automatically go to porn? <laughs> I wonder if we can train it smart actions that would be great. That would be really hilarious like <laughs> oh not that kind of porn and then you have to like do little like animal or like you know those the things shadow you do with puppets? your shadow puppets to show the kind you want. <laughs> no, no, not that. Not anything but that. No, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> that wasn't. That was not what I meant at all. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, that could be really funny to see how you could train your connect to bring up exactly what you want, like with the gesture, or maybe with voice controls too. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Like Siri-esque kind of thing, you know. Like, what's kind of amusing about this, though. And I didn't really realize, think of it until I saw it spelled out in a GameSpot story. It's that PS3 and Wii have had web browsers for years. Mm. And Xbox 360, which is supposed to be like the second coming of the all-in-one right. set-top box. It's got Netflix support, and it's got ESPN content, and it you streams the UFC. UFC. It. Yeah. yeah, it's like, well, we're just getting around to our web browser now. They've got Bing integrated, but it's not a web browser. Yeah, that is wild. But, yeah, you, you know, kudos to them. Big whoop, big surprise. On to the announcement section. This was just a little blip that I wanted to talk with you about, Mark, because you play so many video games with your kid. Do you think you're going to get him into Lego Lord of the Rings? Yeah, I mean, I've heard. Um, so we just went to, like, a giant Lego festival um, last weekend. Oh, cool. And um, that was more Legos than I've ever seen in my life. And I, I'm a huge former Lego fan, you know, growing up and stuff. And um so um my both my kids went crazy they're they now have lego stuff for girls with like pink, pink and, teal. and purple yeah. and all these little like um they're little they're like little sets almost that you can almost like little dollhouse fragments she was like taken to it totally but even That's before so cool. we got to that she, she was just the building ones. stuff with the regular ones making different little things and my son was going crazy with just making different things too so, um, based on the history of the Lego games being pretty good. Yeah, and they're um, co-op, I drop think, and drop out. Yeah, I think we'll probably do that. Um, you know, I, I might play a whole bunch of them. You know, I don't know, but um, definitely. They're I think really be good. good. Yeah. So. You've got so many options. So you've got Harry Potter, Indiana Jones, Indiana Star, Star Wars, Wars, Batman. Yeah, Bat- and he's really gotten into Batman, the Brave and the Bold, the cartoon lately. So is my oh, daughter. There's so. a really good Wii game for oh, Batman, really? Brave and the Bold. Where they use the original voice actors, they've got these animated, oh, hand-drawn cutscenes. Oh, wow. We still have the Wii too. You just... should totally get that. It's really well oh, done. I'll check that out. Thanks for that tip. Yeah. yeah. Shout out for that game. It's made by Way Forward, I think. Cool. Who made it? Uh, apologies if they're. Yeah, terrific. One other announcement that made me kind of sad: Bioshock Infinite, the game that I've been looking forward to the most out of everything that I know of that's coming out this year. Delayed. Have you played through the both of the Bioshocks? Or no, just, I haven't. You're just looking forward to it. I'm just looking forward I'm to sorry, it. Sorry, I didn't mean to like discredit, pull the rug out from my enthusiasm. your credibility. You know. I played a good-sized chunk sure. of the first Bioshock, yeah. and I've actually watched my dad play over half of the second Bioshock. Oh, that's cool. So I'm not like totally blind to it. Yeah. 
I just love that franchise, and I'm especially uh, for me the objectivism and the that's what I think it really appeals to me is the whole heady philosophical stuff that oh, yeah. they build into these games. It's like an Ayn Rand kind yeah. of book in its own. The first game, though, it's like, I don't remember my school that much enough to remember what objectivism is and stuff. Yeah. I appreciate it, but I definitely remember American imperialism and stuff like that, yeah. which was like part of the world of Bioshock Infinite and just and the, the whole floating city stuff. And the Art Deco stuff is so cool. In the, oh, yeah. In the pre, well, in the first one. In the one. first one, the, the whole Rapture City is so well done. It's so beautiful. It's funny because um, former co-host Jim and I share this love of, like, the Art Deco era mm-hmm. and how just stuff was done so, like, grandiose and yeah. it's bold. And it's just... That's what a, part of one of the reasons I love the original Batman movies was yeah. the really Art Deco gothic... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, city. Oh, yeah. It's super Gotham. cool. Gotham yeah. was... So, yeah, that'll be... Um, it's unfortunate it's delayed. And I had said before we started the podcast, never put a word like um, forever or in infinite or anything like that in a title for a game or it's doomed to be delayed. And totally. I, I'm only using two examples to draw that conclusion from. <laughs> but um, Duke Nukem Forever, the ultimate example, and now um, Bioshock Infinite, you know, mm-hmm. it's like kind of a... Of course, Infinity Sword came out eventually. So. That's true. There are some examples I out guess there. Guess you can get away with it. Final Fantasy. Final. <laughs> Final um, Fantasy three hundred and fourteen. Now, the potential reason why this game's delayed—it's the rumors are saying pretty. Ken Levine, who I love, uh, has said that they're going to make this game. They're going to fully realize their vision by delaying it these five months from October to February, and it's going to be even better and grander than it than it already is. And meanwhile, they just posted a job posting for multiplayer network engineer. Well, they kind of did that with, um, with, uh, oh, network engineer, multiplayer network engineer. I just am such not a believer in games primarily dedicated to single player that add on that multiplayer. Uh, if you want a multiplayer game, you play a multiplayer game. Yeah. Call of Duty... Four or whatever, or whatever it is. you know, you would know. I, I don't know. Games um, that primarily specialize in that. Battlefield. Games Halo. that are designed for that. Yeah, yeah. Halo. Um, even though Halo does have a single player element that's quite, pretty good. But, um, you know, Terra today had said she was so disappointed in Mass Effect 3's multiplayer. And I was like, why? Why did you do that to yourself? And she said, well, actually, I need it for you something have for the to single play player. It. It's so bullshit. And I was like, oh, that sucks because you can't expect it to be good. No. It was like... Mediocre at best, most of the time. Yeah. Might and Magic Dark Messiah had a multiplayer. Uh, yeah. And it was God, horrific. I was so excited about that game. And Yeah. It'd be like if League sad. of Legends came out with a single player, you know, like... We put all this work in our big announcement for PAX as single player mode. Yeah. And you just like, go around and blow uh, up toadstools for points that can't be used for anything. You get yeah. one one RP for each toadstool you blow up. Yeah, exactly. It's that anticlimactic, usually. Something. Yeah. So, yeah, I hate to see them do that because I just don't think... I. It would be like... It, well, what if a Bethesda game was all, all all of a sudden they said, you know, now you can go full multiplayer and it's going to change the way we play multiplayer. You would never believe it, you know? Well, I think that's a, one of the reasons why people are really hedging their bets about Elder Scrolls MMO. That's designed for that. Yeah. That's different. It know? is. But even sometimes the, the world. Yeah. You don't want to experience a world like that. Yeah. With tons of people running around With and grinding like through repetitive totally blowing. You're like, man, I'm feeling it. I'm on the icy, 
I'm on the threshold of this unknown temple that was sunk into a swamp, but it suddenly raised up 5,000 feet with this elevated staircase. The icy winds are clawing at me as if to pull me off of the staircase. It is as if I'm the first man ever to... And then just then some guy comes out that's like a level 70 and is like, man, that was fucking easy, man. I'm going to go get some lasagna. <laughs> and you're like, no! My RP moment has been shattered. Exactly. <laughs> there was something breaking the wall. Yeah. Yeah, they break the fourth wall. It's totally horrible, so... You know, I I've, I have strong opinions about it. As I lashed out at Tear today, <laughs> poor Tear. No yeah. wonder she didn't talk to me. She was not only was she crushed about the game, but then I'm like, why did you do that? But now I know it's actually required. Stupidly, so it's so cool. Tear is playing a lot of the same games that I'm playing right now. It I will cool. get into that later on, and she's going to be playing. I, I'm pretty sure she's playing Diablo three. Playing what? She, I think, I'm pretty sure she's playing Diablo oh, 3. Oh, she better. Yeah. Yeah, because we, we could play with her. So many people are going to be playing this game. Yeah. That is part two. I'm so excited Way about excited. this game. Yeah, just to get the... It's like getting the band back together. Yeah. Even though now... Even though you would prefer for them to continue, you know, pushing the the edges of music forward, but instead it's to do a cover band and play nothing but Blondie tunes. It's still <laughs> getting the band back together, right? Yeah. It's still, you know, still cool, so... Now into the one of the meteor sections of our intro get in rumors and gossip, which this is so funny, Mark. I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of websites now, instead of putting rumors into headlines now, they call it a report. I did see that. Did you I notice didn't that? Know, Isn't I didn't it so stupid? It. Yeah. Why is it a report? Because you're not 100% sure that it's a story or what? I, yeah, it's like it's total word games to make it seem like it's more substantive to make you click they should through. Be like, they should call it today's meaty anecdote or something. Yeah. It's, it's anecdotal evidence at best. Yeah. It's, or it's just, you know, it's presumption, supposition. Yeah. Like me talking about Bioshock Infinite getting delayed but for multiplayer. It's pure conjecture based off the fact that they literally did a job posting for Bioshock Infinite Network Engineer for multiplayer gaming at the same time as this delay was announced, it seems right. like it's pretty tied together. Suspicious, a little. Yeah, highly coincidental. So and the, I was about to defend them, too. Which but still a rumor. Yeah. Just like some of the other things. There's also some supposition in here, such as an analyst saying that Elder Scrolls Online, Sound the Gong, will eventually be free to play. Sorry. Maybe I should call this the no shit section. <laughs> duh. Well, duh, as my son would say to me. Well, duh. So we have got Nicholas Lovell, who works for a game consultant firm named Games Brief. And I, I, I really think that name's familiar. I wonder if I've run into him at E3 before. At any rate, in an interview with Edge magazine, he said, I still believe that subscription games are on the way out. It is conceivable that Bethesda will launch with a subscription service to attract the early adopters because that is the model they understand. They will then switch to free-to-play later in the same way that many iOS games go from paid to freemium over their lifetime. EA is struggling with the older public, but almost everyone is transitioning to free-to-play. I, I disagree. I think what they'll probably do, this is a Mark's crazy idea, um, So, but if it's right, then I'm a genius. If it's wrong, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Net something in between ever. But I think they'll do it like Guild Wars and just charge the price of a new game title. And that then it'll sense. have uh, it'll you know be in the multiplayer game, and then they'll probably start the free to play kind of content. 
Yep. I think that's what they'll do. I don't think anybody is going to. And that's what's funny is nobody ever talks about that. They, uh, it's like everybody's got such myopia. I don't know what to say. Yeah. About the there's like there's only two models in in online gaming and a subscription or it's free to play. But no, Guild Wars is a incredibly successful example. Yeah, like of a, a third model. Like the quiet. They're the like the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Or yeah. Whatever, right. They're like. Yeah, duh, we did that. We actually decided that we were going to make Guild Wars 2 because we didn't want to just try to ride, on, you know, ride, ride the success style. into the ground. Yeah. yeah, We were like, we need a whole new bold vision, and we want a game engine that will let, let us take stuff to the next level. But we have the model down, and they do. But I think a hybridization between that model and the free-to-play model that we have today where you can buy those yeah. cool items that, That's you know, the perfect mix. Yeah, it's kind of the perfect mix, right? Yeah, you get the the, the crazy... What, what's the word for it? Um, I can't remember the word for something that's not... Re, it's not necessary, but it's like... Perks I'm cool. and extras. Like, yeah, you know, it's it's not the... Um, anyway. Yeah, whatever it's it is. look at me kind of thing, you know. That's... that's Window dressing stuff. Yeah, yeah the the... Yeah, so I I think that's probably what they'll do. I don't believe they'll launch it as a um, you know a a monthly subscription fee. I think the Old Republic is the example that everyone is going to now pay attention to and go, yep, it worked for World of Warcraft, and that's the last one it worked for. So for our next speculative story, Microsoft has issued a patent for a pressure sensitive. Xbox 360 controller, or is it the next Xbox controller? Oh my God, that is the craziest story. Because Reddit, I thought, oh, maybe it's just going to be a controller where you can like define the buttons, kind of like a you know a Harmony like remote where you can like kind of do the layout on the screen, rearrange everything, rearrange it all. And then the more I read it, it started to sound more and more like Judge Dredd's gun or Blade Sword, <laughs> where it's like it's like biometric and it senses yeah. that you're not the rightful wielder of the control <laughs> paddle of power, and it like won't work. And then it gets even crazier where it's like, and it's a phone. <laughs> like, what the hell am I doing? I'm gonna have a controller that's like it it knows who I am by the way I hold it and then it that becomes is pretty uh, fucking ridiculous. It's the weirdest patent um thing I've ever read. It's totally bizarre. <laughs> Did you like my I comparison? Love the to... comparison. I, <laughs> I don't know if I really have anything else that I can say that's that good. <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why is it a fucking phone? I if, if it was like remappable, that would be that would add some that's value, cool. right? Like, yeah. Especially with the way LEDs now. So think of it this way. If they had done it where... So this is patent pending, by the way, because I'm just making it up. But if you had a controller that was just appeared to be like a solid color, and it was set to where you held it, and that mapped out where your hand position is that's optimal for you, and then you Oh, so it's like ergonomically adjusted. Yeah, and you, and you, start, to, you start to choose where your buttons are going to be, right? And um, when you did that, then with the way LED technology is today, those would light up and they would glow. And so you'd have your red button, your blue button, your green button, exactly where you wanted it in a little circle and you could move them around and then get them set. And it'd be like a touch sensitive controller. That's a cool idea. You know, and I know too, they now have a thing for, um, where they can like blow up sections of things too. Yeah. So you could actually feel it'd be pressure. Something truly tactile. Yeah. It wouldn't be like an iPhone display, but like that would be like, cool but this thing it's just like well it knows who you are and so it can come up with your it just seems so redundant your gamer to me too. will be linked to your controller's profile yeah it's like 
This isn't this what Connect is for? Yeah, I'm like this is like one step above the Vitality sensor, which is my favorite like boondoggle example of a product. <laughs> Thank <laughs> goodness we, it we, never came to be. As we all know, that is my particular pet peeve of of uh, you know <laughs> controller interface hardware design. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty stupid. Yeah, so if three D if has these, I mean the the illustration in the patent shows a three hundred and sixty controller featuring this functionality, or if actually this is just uh, smoke and mirrors and it's potentially parts of the next Xbox's controllers. Right. We'll have to wait and see. It's, it seems kind of silly. It, it does. doesn't seem technically infeasible. No. But it also doesn't seem really interesting or compelling. What's the value add? It's like it knows who I am or I can within two two click two maneuvers of the joystick in the menu choose my gamer tag and it yeah. knows who I am and it could do everything that that would do. I yeah. Mean, I don't get And that. I don't want to use my controller as a phone. I don't want a $100 controller. No, exactly. I don't want to have to spend that much money. Yeah, I just want a controller yeah. that is, you know, pretty much disposable and replaceable because, hey, face it, moving parts, these things wear out, you know? I, That's I, right. They wear down like a keyboard, so. That's right. So... <laughs> That's all we got to say about that. About that. Mm-hmm. Now, another piece of... Refuse. Story. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if this really belongs in rumors. Yeah, it belongs in rumors and gossip because... Well, it's because it's pure subjective conjecture based yeah. on... I'm older and I'm an art aficionado, uh, if you will. So, frickin' Genova Chen, who is the head of that game company... Which made Flow, which was originally available as a free game on PC, but then they made a version of it for PS3, and then two more games exclusively for PS3 as part of an agreement with Sony, Flower, and Journey. All three of those games, they're very metaphorical, they're beautiful, very artistic, quote-unquote, really, really cool games. I love them. I definitely have a lot of respect for the company. They're able to create really simple ideas that have a lot of emotion or thought, subtext, whatever you want to call it, right. put into the games. But Genova, and I really wonder if that's really his fucking name, because who's the name? Genova, that's like a Final Fantasy VII boss in or, my world. Yeah. Um, Genova, maybe he's still smarting from several of his top people leaving his company within the last month, but he had to go out in his little interview to venture beat and claim the player who owns a PlayStation 3 is more likely to be interested in artistic games compared to Wii and Xbox 360. Which I think is utter bullshit, and it just pisses me off because I am definitely one of those art game kids. I love art games. I'm totally sucked into them. Wii has had tons of them. There's like four or five art style games. There's the Bit Trip games that are very 80s Activision pitfall aesthetic. Uh... There's Mad World. There's tons of games that are really stylized on me. Trying? Trying? Trying to? On the PC. On the PC. Also, I think it's on... Uh, is it on? No, I don't think it is on 360. But on 360, you have Braid, which launched to great success and exclusivity initially. And also Limbo. Two very artistic, oh, yeah. aesthetic, metaphorical, figurative games. Huge successes. If this prick's opinion were valid those games would have flopped. Right. And he's he's kind of couching it in this generalization that more likely, which is a CYA, but you can tell that if you're going to make a stupid-ass statement like this, that you, what you really believe is 
oh my god this is ps3 is the is the console for elite intelligent sophisticated gamers um he actually elaborated on it saying sony has a more artistic and adult focused taste they care about how grown-ups feel toward their games i don't see that in their marketing their game portfolio definitely their exclusive PlayStation. more towards teenage kids with God of War and Absolutely. Grand Theft Auto but that isn't Uncharted those are like blockbuster movie type stuff where are all these aesthetic artistic I, games that's that he's what I'm saying about? I'm like did you just confuse Sony for Apple like yeah is that what happened did you like think black on black with like white lettering and go yeah Sony is kind of like you know a, a, a Mac what a Mac is to like a PC. I don't know what the hell the guy did, but he like totally like left reality. And then what's even better is their senior director of digital platforms, Sony's. He like dogpiled onto this. His name's Jack Buser. He said, our primary PSN audience is indeed more adult. And many of our best-selling titles appeal to this demographic. Many PlayStation and PSN games have themes that require a user to think and feel about a deep immersive gameplay experience. And we see that exemplified in the success of titles like Our Journey and Heavy Rain. Titles like these can only be found on PlayStation, and our users enjoy the emotional and thematic sophistication of their games, especially with our digital offerings. What? <laughs> yeah! Oh my like, god. Oh, like, if you're, if you're not playing a PS3 game, you don't really like to think or feel anything about this, your games. This is so awesome, because usually when people write stuff like this it's after they've already won the war and they're just rewriting history as the victor but this is right now they're not winning the war they're not winning anything and it's like ridiculous i mean they're getting their ass handed to them by the xbox 360 as far as i can tell yeah so yeah um to say that is just it's disgraceful it's just gratuitous back padding which sony was notorious for this during the ps1 and ps2 years yeah and i have not missed that hubris of theirs i mean the ps3 was a well-deserved smackdown of the bullshit stuff like this that they used yeah. to say all the time and it's like oh here they come they're coming back old habits die hard uh it's dumb i think you know you like the games that you like there are definitely some wonderful fantastic exclusives on psn on PS3. I'm really excited about The Unfinished Swan, which is another exclusive PSN game. Yeah. It's coming around the corner. There's some really great games there. But as someone who is a total art game junkie, I have found plenty of fantastic artsy games yeah, for, on every system. Like you said, for Wii, for Xbox 360, for Steam for has PSN, tons of stuff. All the indie, I mean, ton of the, yeah. tons of the stuff that are indie games, which Steam really seems to allow to shine with equal value, unlike the XBLA stuff or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really good indie games that are showcased on Steam. I mean, yeah. they get the same... They will get the same treatment as a AAA title maker. I mean, really, it's mm-hmm. right up there. And in fact, it's what causes me to make those weird purchases that I look at. I get... I get Months so basically, the line, well, no, like, basically, I get my online banking. I get a summary statement of all my transactions every morning. Yeah. And I look at it and I go, oh, damn it. I had one too many Jack and Cokes last night. <laughs> and I bought another indie bundle on Steam, you know, and it's, but it's like, you know, it's so appealing. I mean, they, yeah. there's some really good stuff out there. It's just, I hate it when people just try to make reality Generalize different like than that. it is. Yeah. And in fact, if I, if I knew everything about games that I did know, but I didn't have a gaming platform and I had to only choose one, like I'm going to start video gaming. 
and I know that I really like games like yeah. that. There, I would definitely crave and hanker for games that are on 360, PS3, and Wii. But I would get a PC for aesthetic yeah, games. you would. You because would, of Steam, you would. You know, you would. And, and the you, humble indie bundles, all those games. The, hun, the humble indie bundles are just awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think I get them every time they're available. Every year, or whatever it is. Or and we're seeing more of these types of games also on mobile platforms as well. Yeah, that's true too. I saw some real um, Jim, our former podcaster, the one we have mothballed. Um, <laughs> he was showing me some games that were artistic in nature for the iOS platform, and some of them are beautiful. Yeah, like Zenbound is a, is a yeah. Nice yeah, one that was example. just flowers. Maybe it's from the same company. It was this really flowery interface. It was just doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and I was like. Man, that's gorgeous, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've seen, and I've seen stuff that my, my wife, you know, obviously has a totally different way of, of, um, what she thinks is cool for games for her iPhone. Yeah. She's not a hardcore gamer at all, but she has a bunch and she gets a bunch for the kids. And some of the games on there are just gorgeous, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and it's, and I, they are not available for any other platform except for maybe the Android. You know, they're totally a mobile thing, but. So I think the conclusion that we're reaching in our discussion about this, Mark, is that... Bullshit. First of all, definitely. <laughs> and more importantly, I think what Genova's not realizing is that it's not that one platform or another necessarily is the home of artistic games, even though you could choose one and be happy. Yeah. It's that people, more and more people appreciate artistic games, are willing to take risks on them, to look for them, regardless of the platform. So, so this is a tangent, and we weren't planning on this, but... Yeah, I was like, I, I thought earlier, I'm like, should I make that a roundtable topic? I'm like, or is it, that's just going to be me bitching. Intro-getting, <laughs> this is definitely an intro-getting, but... I mean, I, I feel like with the way that the indie publishers are getting, you know, put up on, in, in many platforms, at least, it's kind of starting to happen on the 360. Not so much, but it's it's making its way. Definitely with Steam. I mean, I feel like it's kind of a golden age of gaming. Also because you have, yeah, and we'll get into this in the round table, but like old game styles, different, like a platform gamer that were done years ago are suddenly reemerging on yeah. new um, mobile platforms and they're compelling, fun, enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I think it's like the golden age of gaming. Like I honestly do. I don't think anymore that, you know, the golden age was back when... Zelda came out, or the Nintendo, the first yeah. Nintendo came out. I have to say, I think this is like the dawning of the Age of Aquarius for gaming. It's like amazing. I feel like, you know, I've been working on a little game, and I feel like I could get that thing launched, and the the tools I'm using, I could get it launched on multiple platforms, and I could have it out there, and I could get paid it's for it. so cool. And it could be, I, could, I don't even have to worry about the online store for it. I don't have to package it. I don't have to do anything. I can get it distributed to... Hundreds of thousands of people, if I want to, and that's and something I never expected. In a basement, who's doing it yeah, in his spare time? But that would return. Yeah, and it's like I do. I feel like this is something. You know, this is a special time, and it's so cool to see that the these games that are they could just have made a game, but they were like, no, we're going to add this artistic flair to it, and it's awesome. Or mm -hmm. oh no, we're going to make a game, and we're going to 
do something with it where um, we're going to go heavy on the music side of it or, you know, whatever. It's just, it's, yeah. it's really, I don't know. Do you feel the same? I mean, I really do feel I, like. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, but I really agree. Yeah. That there's just so many choices and they're all really great choices. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's and so much variety. Not only do we have at our fingertips, everything that is um, newly being produced on a day-to-day basis. And we have, we can get AAA titles. We can get little tiny indie companies. We can literally get one man one man or one woman's creation in their basement and it stands, you know, with equal footing, basically. There's all the old stuff is being made available to us too. Everything, like every, um, the main games that used to be, you know, they're quasi illegal where they take the ROMs and stuff. Those are being reproduced by Midway Games and and Atari, you know, even though Atari is not Atari anymore, but you know what I mean? Those are available. We can play Joust. We can play Missile Command. We can do... We can ha- we have access to everything that's ever been made, and we can play it on almost any device that we yeah. have. You know, you have a you have your mobile phone, and you're sitting at the park, and you're like, I don't know, what should I? What the hell? I'll go play Missile Command for five minutes, and it's done perfectly. It's a perfect rendition yeah. of the game. It's it's crazy. I think it's really neat. I'm I'm excited. You know, there's, I wish that I'd found the story for this. I forgot about it, but. It reminds me, I just read a story that there's two different stories. One person saying that web browser-based games will approach current console levels of quiet quality within the next couple of years. And then plus the original Wolfenstein 3D is now available for playing a browser. I can see that. Well, Already hell, today. But so. you can play um, with, if you, well, technically. So... You could play Quake 3 in a browser two, three years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm not surprised to see that. And then the HTML5 stuff's out. Flash allows you to do all kinds of stuff in a browser. Yep. It's amazing, really, what's available. I think you're you're well you're well said there, Mark. This oh, is a, a golden age. I, I agree. planning on that. <laughs> Who would have known Genova Chin took us this far? Thank you for that, Genova Chin. Half of your name is really cool. The first part, because <laughs> of our... You know, podcaster Jason, but yeah, Chin. I don't know, <laughs> Genova Chin. That's an interesting name. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. So for our last and rumors, it just makes me think of spaghetti and lo mein combined in an unholy. Oh, uh, that does not sound good. No, at all. <laughs> With Swedish meatballs, why not? Oh, well, it's very <laughs> multicultural. I yeah, it's a multicultural. <laughs> it's a taste, ex- but extravaganza. Sorry. <laughs> Tangent over. Our last rumors and gossip story is, I guess this isn't, this is more gossip and it's substantiated, but Google is continuing to play a bit of a catch-up game for its Android OS by trying to build its own version of Apple's Game Center. Oh, man. Which, I, from what I understand, will introduce stuff like achievements that are platform-wide versus having to use some kind of third-party solution. Yeah, you know, that open faint um, is something that a lot of people are talking about in Mobage and, of course, the Apple Game Center. So here's my take on it. I have had an iOS platform almost exclusively since the 3G came out. Yeah. I had a an Android Evo for about, I don't know, six months and couldn't stand it. Um I love my Droid Razor Max. But your but that Ooh. your Razor Max versus my Evo is kind of like Felicia Day 
versus the redheaded chick from Mad Men, right? Sorry. Um, so versus, I'm just an saying, epic death match. It's not close. They both are red-haired, but one of them. Well, anyway. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, well, I'm, now I'm stuck on the. I know you're Mad like Men visualizing. <laughs> That's her name. Anyway, um, back to most focus. <laughs> so, <laughs> redheads, redheads, red, red. Oh yeah, coming back. <laughs> we'll have to edit this one creatively. It's oh very no, embarrassing. Um, <laughs> there, it's just not a fair comparison. <laughs> Apple Game Center. The game Center. I avoid it at all costs. I, every time it pops up in any game I play on the iOS, I just close it as quickly as I can and say, "No, I don't want that crap." And the same thing happened with the Android with Open Faint. I was like, "No, I do not want that. Yeah. I do not need this like meta layer of achievement tracking and shit for my game," which is <laughs> ironic because I love Raptor for the PC and the Xbox and the that Nintendo and everything. Yeah. But it's like on my iOS platform, it's like. Usually I'm only stealing little tidbits of time when I play a game on my mobile phone, you know? It's like, because I never sit down and dedicate time to play a game on there. Yeah. It's always like, a, oh, I'm stuck waiting on this. I'm getting a driver's license. So, I know, I don't want to mess around with your open faint crap. I don't want to register for it. No, I don't want to do the Apple Game Center. I just want to play the game and be done with it. So... I, I think, you know, it's something that's got to naturally occur for, you know, the Android to, to come up with their own Game Center concept, but I'll still hate it and rail against it till the day yeah. I die. It's just out of place. Yeah. But maybe we're just old-fashioned. I don't know. But do you really want achievements? No. For your mobile gaming? No, I don't. And what's weird is I like achievements elsewhere, but I don't care. Yeah. Those do I want aren't... it book integrated? Do I want people to no. know on Facebook that I'm, no. I've clocked 14,000 hours of League of Legends? Or that Tower Defense game? Or, hey man, Tower Defense Lost Earth is a classic. <laughs> it's a classic. It's the greatest Tower Defense game of all time. <laughs> all right, so if we're going to wrap up our intergeddon with the Oh Snap section. Love this. This is my favorite part of the section. of the. So Mark, do you want to save this one for... I'm doing magic in the Google Docs, listeners, that you can't see. Do you want to save that for the general geekery, or do you want to have it here? Oh, no, I think it's, it's All right. Great. So first up is something that's not game-related, but Mark found it. Bob just, found it. Penetrating Bob, Bob found, it? found it. Penetrating Bob found it. Passed it on. And since it's related to Star Wars and George Lucas, we're going to bring it up anyways. Mark, would you honors on this one? Well, so uh, m- many of us believe that George Lucas was... Pretty much disgraced with the release of Star Wars episodes oh, one through three. Uh, mostly, a lot had to do with Jarth, and there's the midichlorians. Um, it was kind of cool to see it, but um, hey, let's face it—you know, the original three Star Wars and everything they did in the Old Republic is way cooler. So, for years now, it seems like for 25 years, Lucas trying to build a movie studio in near the Lucas Ranch is this basically crawling a state oh man i'm having some problems reading this because my daw software and and google are are overlapping each other so cover me if i fail here yeah it's like 300 acres of beautiful valley in southern california right yeah and this is covered in the san francisco chronicle north san francisco bay area so he's been trying to build this like 
gigantic sprawling movie studio. Super state of the art. Um, three hundred thousand square foot, state of the art. Of course, the state of the art. Nobody yeah. has more. Money. I mean, James Cameron is even like kind of like, wow, that's amazing what you have there. But um, you know, it was going to have built-in um, daycare, restaurant, gym, two hundred car garage, and his neighbors have been just railing against this from the get-go. And For 25 the, years. 25 years they've been battling this. And it's supposed to be something that would promise $300 million worth of economic activity to the area. The problem is his neighbors are all also very much loaded and rich and don't need it, really. It does the local economy factors. And they don't want the, the proletariat or the bourgeois yes. tromping through their beautiful... Wooded Hills. Right. So the local homeowners association, and I love HOAs, um, <laughs> has been such a thorn in his in his side that he's decided to abandon the studio um, concept, and he's issued this official statement about Lucasfilm's withdrawal of the new studio. And I, I'm just going to read it verbatim because it's hilarious. And this is this is so funny because it's like you knew in George Lucas there was a great man who kind of went to sleep. <laughs> but this is like awakened the beast, I think. And this is so funny. So here's what he wrote. The level of bitterness and anger expressed by the Homeowners Association in Lucas Valley, and it's called freaking Lucas, Lucas Valley, Valley, for no Christ's sake, yeah. has convinced us that even if we were to spend more time and acquire the necessary approvals, we would not be able to maintain a constructive relationship with our neighbors. We love working and living in Marin, but the residents of Lucas Valley have fought this project for 25 years, and enough isn't enough. Marin is a bedroom community and is committed to building subdivisions, not business. Many years ago, we tried to stop the Lucas Valley Estates project from being built, but we failed. And you can imagine an estates pro- no, I'm, I'm sidetracking here, but an estates um, project usually means super, super rich houses, like super overdone, gated community, all that stuff. So they tried to fight it, but they failed. And now we have a subdivision on our doorstep. So what he's going to do, this is what he's going to do. (laughs) (laughs) He is going to instead transform the property into low-income housing. And he's ending the official statement with this zinger. If everyone feels that housing is less impactful on the land, then we're hoping that people who need it the most will benefit. (laughs) <laughs> so what he's doing is saying, okay, you're, we will not build the studio because that would be an eyesore. Instead, low-income housing, maybe for, you know, poor elderly, maybe just for poor people, but they will now be right on your doorstep surrounding you, if you will. <laughs> Enjoy. And fuck you. And it's, it's so awesome that it's he's classic. doing that. It's like, it's going to be the super rich and like, you know, low-income housing, you know? It's going to be awesome. Totally. A, a stark contrast, I'm sure. It would only... The only thing would be better if he had just gone that extra mile and said, it's going to be called the Tatooine Trailer Court. <laughs> and, it, and it was like, and we're getting new trailers either. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to pay to have them all They're transplanted in. Transplanted from the Bible Belt. Cinder blocks and all. Also known as Tornado Alley. We're going to bring them in. They're all going to have the original tires on the roof to hold it on. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Every fifth one will have a flagpole. Pink flamingos. Pink flamingos. Of course, as soon as we put it on the ground, it will begin to form a natural depression because that seems to always happen 
You always put the trailer courts on the very bottom of any area that you can. So I'm, I'm really excited for them. I think that, you know, it's good for the HOA because they finally won their battle. There will not be a studio, a, a, a super, you know, swanky, overbuilt, gigantic studio with, you know, all the cool amenities. Professional people are going to end up staying there, not even going or anywhere because there's all those yeah. the gym and the restaurants. It's not like people are going to come in there and start ransacking through all the neighborhoods yeah, and joyriding. Super intelligent, talented people. Nope. Nope. Something a little different in the back door. <laughs> so, yeah, that is a fantastic start to our snap section. <laughs> now for some more traditional O-Snap moments. League of Legends, not always super fast on their game, but when they find something that they want to take care of, they do it decisively, and they that, found out. That is true, like... They seem to be, like, you're like, when will you fix Rise's overpowered whatever? Yeah. And you're like, when are you going to, and then, like, they're like, oh, snap, Rise has been totally rebuilt. Yeah. But then you're like, oh, there's, people are exploiting something, and man, when they do decide to wield that big stick, boy, they do, they can wield it. Yeah, and they, they, they mince no words about what they think about it with the community manager, which I'm assuming is freak saying, Oh God, I love that. Yeah. If you've been playing online games for any length of time, you probably know games eventually have to deal with scum of the earth cheap that enjoy ruining your experience. That's data. We're not going to allow it. I'm happy to report that the immediate fix has been implemented and we'll be restarting all regions this evening to redundancy, which will prevent similar exploits in the future. We've identified all the players that have been using this exploit and we're going to be taking firm action against their accounts, which I'm assuming is bans. I think that's awesome. So the in question is basically the, the people were able to add extra skill points to their account above the cap, which basically allowed them to spam cooldowns or, or mana deficiency, their most powerful abilities. So that's interesting because was it, was it the, it, it was the talents that were stored locally where the um, runes were stored yeah, so your mastery game. sheets... Masteries were local. Were local, and the runes were on the internet. And now all of a sudden, masteries are online. So is it because people could go to their local file and like edit it to... Maybe so. To max know. out their masteries to be... You know, if you had like every conceivable mastery, and then you... Somehow, if the client like honored that, and it showed up mm-hmm. at a server level, maybe that's why they finally... Because ma- I've... Didn't you always wonder from, like, day one, why isn't this all portable across, you know, yeah. any client I have? Why do I have to, like, redo, redo my masteries on, on every single platform? Yeah, PC. So I never understood why that was that way, but runes weren't. And so maybe when they finally fixed it, it was because this exploit was there. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I don't that know. was their motivation, yeah. but it, it's a good motivation. I need to play League of Legends again sometime. You'll find out what I've been playing instead later. <laughs> Last story My in our pony apocalypse, dark apocalypse. <laughs> last story in our O snap section is related to the other side of the competition for Minecraft. So, as we talked about earlier, Minecraft launched to explosive success on XBLA just this week, and for a while, there's already been a Minecraft alternative in the indie game section of XBLA called Fortress Craft, which is also another game we've talked about in previous episodes of the show where people are like this is a blatant ripoff of Minecraft you shouldn't have this here mar, 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 mar. well it turns out that the hardcore Minecraft fans or at least people that are trying to pretend that they are opposing decided to do a huge denial <sighs> of service attack 
on the Fortress Craft folks the same day that Minecraft launched. God, that's so lame. Well, apparently, apparently these people could be in bigger trouble than they expected because since this is a British developer, there are stringent British laws against hacking, and it's apparently a very serious crime. So the Fortress Craft developer has called the police. The police are on the case, and so now we have another case, another situation of law officials trying to chase down hackers like they did with Anonymous. Yeah. We'll see if they're successful, but it's just childish. It It's so lame. It's like, so, you know, we've covered this before. The Fortress Craft guy has pointed out that Minecraft is very much based on InfiniMiner. Yeah. And Notch has said, too, that it was a game that nobody ever got, and it needed to be brought to the masses, and his little pet project of Minecraft was based entirely on InfiniMiner. Mm-hmm. And he was successful. And so the Fortress Craft guy was like, hey, you know, he's concentrated on the PC with his implementation of InfiniMiner. I'm going to do Fortress Craft because now I know that it's successful. People do dig it. It's There's people who want not. it. They want yeah. this. So I'm going to I'm gonna go with the XBLA route and do Fortress Craft, which, by the way, at the time that he launched Fortress Craft, it looked a thousand times better than Minecraft did. I have to yeah. say, as and a if, huge, and I'm a huge, I'm a Notch fan, and I'm a Minecraft fan, and I've paid legitimately for two copies of Minecraft now, and I have to say, Fortress Craft looked awesome on XBLA, but, you know, to do this crap to him, to, like, go after him as though he's, like, totally trying to steal his IP, it's an IP, it's like, if, if you remade Load Runner for the Apple, and I, or for the iOS, and I remade Load Runner for the Android... And my user base went and, like, hacked your site or vice versa. Like, who's right? We both stole the idea and just implemented yeah. it. You know? Yeah. That's... Neither of us is a martyr. We're yeah. both just trying to make some money with our programming skills. Yeah. Right? And, you know, I totally dig what Notch is doing. Of the two of them, I do gravitate more towards Notch as yeah. somebody who I follow and pay attention to, like his Twitter feed, somebody who I'm, I'm ex- super excited about Escape to the Seer, what the hell it's going to be called, his you know upcoming crazy space game. Mm-hmm. But you have to say, what's with all the hate towards the Fortress Craft guy? Yeah. I mean, he's not come out and ever said, it was my idea. He's never done anything arrogant. or He's just said, hey, look, I made this for the Xbox, and you can play it for now. He also threw out some barbs this week. Oh, he got pissed guy. after that. He yeah. got really mad. He tweeted, fuck you and your quote-unquote community notch on his Twitter feed and also made some comments about how, wow, so people are getting all so excited and proud and defiant and loyal about this Minecraft game for XBLA, which is apparently many versions out of date as compared to what's actually available on the PC. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but that's kind of how the iOS and the, I think the Android ports are too. They're not... And so he's like, not, feature for feature, he's like, my version's offering more. And it's true. Yeah, and it's just like, it's not pretty. And, if, you know, time will tell... The, as it turns out, Fortress Craft is the most successful of all the indie games yeah. with 800,000 downloads. It will probably break a million, maybe be the first indie game to do so on the indie area of XPLA and Minecraft obviously at its $20 fee. I mean fantastic. Yeah. There's room for both of them. There, yeah, they can coexist. I 
People just shouldn't be childish. I kind of hope the infinite guy goes, hey. Yeah, Susan bitches. Bosa <laughs> into oblivion. Yields to me. <laughs> like, releases his, like, you know, he, he gets on, um, oh, what's the site for, um, um, you know, getting quick startup money? Kickstarter? Kickstarter.com. And it's like, I'm the dude. Really, it's me. And they like, you know, he gets like five million or something to and fund like, his legal case. Shoots it out to like all. This shoots out Infiniminer to all platforms, and they're all on the same uh, version, <laughs> and they all talk to each other, and the dream is achieved, and everybody's happy. Or he like, sweet. or he joins joins Lego, and it's just the Lego thing or something. Since they, anyway, pretty cool. It I is. like it. I like it. That's the end of our Intergeddon, and quite a hearty Intergeddon it was. That was 3,000 hours of Intergeddon, yeah. maybe 2,000. We hope you liked it, but we've actually still got plenty more show to get through. The meatiness is not yet done. No. We'll be getting into what we're playing next, followed by some, followed by some general geekery, and then our two roundtable topics. Stay tuned. This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Servers. When you order Ventrilo hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee, you'd be crazy not to check them out. Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs. What have you been playing? Comrade Mark, I've been playing Comrade. a variety of games across a variety In of Soviet platforms. In Soviet Socialist Russia. <laughs> we do not call... Game does not... We do not play game. Game plays us. <laughs> yes. There are many achievements for the system. For <laughs> the system. Uh, let's see. So, the... Probably the most and memorable game time I've had was with Mass Effect 2. I finally got to sit down and put some more time into it. I still have my issues with it. The, game, the combat's a lot harder than it should be on casual mode, especially compared to the first game, but I still love the world so much. Do you and think just... Patricia Hepler was correct? What did she say? Didn't she say, you know, you should be able to downsize the combat? Oh, the, oh the that. It's funny because I was going on a rant about the things that bug me in the combat to terror, and particularly around, like, I run out of bullets. Oh, wow. That would suck. And they only introduced managing, gathering bullets, buying bullets in the second game. In the first game, you just had unlimited ammo. Which makes sense. And it makes sense in an RPG connotation. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to worry about, oh my gosh, I ran out of food and I need to eat. Oh, oh no. Now I need a number potty one break. Worst. I told Terry that to you. If I hear of an RPG game that has, you have to buy food and make, keep that up, no. I will not play it. It's just not, it's, I don't need that level of detail. No. I don't want it. Yeah, and it's just like there's so much bullshit in Mass Effect 2 where it's like, yeah, I can respect. They're like, oh, there's all these features that we wanted to include, and now that we're getting more time, we're going to add all that shit in. And it's like it's bullshit that it's like, can we add it? Yeah, let's do it. Versus actually thinking of like there is a beauty to keeping the gameplay mechanics simplistic versus adding complexity for complexity's sake. I think you're going through the same shock that I went through between um, Dragon Age 1 and Dragon Age 2 with the interface because the Dragon Age 2 interface was based off the Mass Effect 2 interface. Yeah, I remember Which I that. was not happy with at all. I was like, I liked my old interface. I don't like this. 
and you eventually grudgingly adopt it. Yeah, and that's but, where I'm going to have to go. And what's good, and I think it's the same experience you have with Dragon Age, is that you love the world so much, the story and the right, characters. Right, I'm in it for the story. I'm in it for the characters. And I could see myself easily just going on cruise control and spending forever in this game. But I really want to do get to the third one. So we'll see how I can balance that. Yeah. That's my current game challenge, especially with Diablo 3 coming out next week. And I don't know how or where I'm going to fit that in, but somehow... I have to because I've also got Xenoblade, which is like I six too year am challenged by that. Yeah, I don't know how I'm worried because usually when New Shiny comes out, that's all I want to play. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It may grab you and make you its bitch, or you might be able to resist its allure. But we will yeah. see. I know that it took a while for League of Legends to, but that did happen with League of Legends. Yeah. After a period of ten months of anger, <laughs> <laughs> ten months of being defeated, two times of quitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I played that. I also, Best Buy must have had a glitch or something, but they were selling a $50 Wii game for 5 bucks Damn. yesterday. That's a really obscure, why did they release that here versus just in Japan, uh, shooting like rail shooting game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They localized you for here, so it's, it was meant to be here, but it was 5 bucks, so I got it yesterday. And that is Sin and Punishment Star Successor. It's made by Treasure, who is known mm. for making really challenging shooter games and plat- side-scrolling platformers. It's pretty good. It's a... Uh, there's some definite cheesy points of it, but going to Treasure's Legacy, like I got through, I played through the first three stages, but these aren't stages in which you would think. There's usually like three or four bosses in addition to Damn. full environment changes and unique enemies within a single stage. Wow. And it just goes on and on and on. It's like stage two completed. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. So getting more than my money's worth in that. I'm also getting very, very close finally to finishing the Prince of Persia, the reinvention of Prince of Persia that came out years ago on the 360 that a lot of people are like, this isn't Sands of Time. I don't like it. I personally love it. I've just got two more levels left in that. So I'd be really excited to continue down my track of catching up with the last three years of gaming. That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that I've been really happy with. And, you know, other similar examples, Castlevania, Dante's Inferno. I'm really glad that I played through those. Mass Effect from 2007. Oh, yeah. Fantastic games. So Sunshine. What, a game that I haven't had a lot of good times with, though, was SSX Tricky, I, or SSX, oh. the new one, because I loved the first few SSXs. Yeah. This one, it's just not the same, but incidentally, they even sent out a press release, you asked for it, we delivered, and so they released a DLC pack for seven bucks of um, that's based off of Tricky, which is my favorite SSX game, closely followed by SSX 3 where it's got all the pyrotechnics and the fireworks going off when you jump off of huge ramps, the falling fire sparks, like doors of those that you fly through, and crazy rails and Mount Rushmore stuff. Really, really goofy stuff. And it's so much more fun. There's Hmm. ramps all over the place. I mean, I sure as hell can't keep up with it in it, but I'm really enjoying myself. I'm like, what is it? Like, why couldn't they have made the rest of the game like this? And I think it's because they... Like, we're going to use satellite terrain data to build all of the courses, and so you're going down, which is a cool concept. Now, have you tried snowboarding in real life? No. Would you want to? I've wanted to, but I've been scared that I'd, like, get someone to build You know what? I think, I think we should do the Channel Massive Challenge, and I have never gone snowboarding. I've skied, but maybe really? this winter we should go take a snowboarding class. I'm got. I'm, Cause, I'm cause, down for it because you have a natural love of that game, and I think it's fun as hell too. Although yeah. I don't, I don't have any on any platform that actually is up and running in my home right now. <laughs> but I had it for like I had SSX Tricky, 
Such an awesome Which game. I played first at your place. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh, man. Me and, man, Take Jen, us Jen back and I years. came over, right? We had yes. like a six-pack of Mountain Dew SSX Tricky and like no nothing to worry about for like 12 hours or something. Life so was good back then. Life was good. So I think that's <laughs> that should be our commitment. We'll go take a snowboarding class this I'm winter. all about it. That sounds great. Cool, man. Yeah. Right on. Now, we cool. won't be doing anything like SSX Tricky. No. We'll mostly be trying to do... Just you know, not fall up. over. Right? Yeah. We'll be kind of like the John Kerry footage we witnessed, um, sadly. <laughs> We're back and forth. And back and forth. But, cool. Yeah, so that's my SSX adventure. League of Legends, I haven't played it, I think, in a month. And, and which is okay? really weird. <laughs> it feels really weird because I still check the website every day. Yeah. I look for updates, and they've slowed down their champion release schedule to now it's like every three weeks. Yeah. Thankfully. And now they've also slowed down the skin generation. Their latest champions launching with only one extra skin instead of wow. two. Wow! But I know they're doing particles and stuff with the skins now. Or yeah, something. they said that they're they are testing releasing only one skin because apparently when they try to bundle two new skins with every champion, sometimes they were good, but a lot of times they sucked, and people mm-hmm. always bitched about it. Yeah, they're like, "I hate that one skin. Why do you do that? Or both skins suck." And so they're like, "Well, we're gonna start trying to put a lot of energy, and make sure we really polish." both the default skin and the extra skin, and you will get a second skin. It's just not going to be right away. I would prefer that they, because their community is so gigantic, Yeah, I would prefer that they slow down on the champions, slow down on the skins, and focus more on different, totally different play styles. Like, Me too. I love Dominion. Me um, too. I mean, we, what was our conjecture for domination? That it's going to be, is it domination? Or supremacy? Supremacy. Yeah. Is going to be... Um, like a hold the base type of thing? Yeah, or hold a, the base from, like, because basically what was the... Assault. Like a assault. assault. Yeah, from, because every, every game style that ever is is illustrated nicely in Unreal Tournament, the original release. That's right. So it's got to be that. Yep. I, it's got to be. So, I don't know. I hope so. I think that'd be fun. I, I mean, I, I definitely love original gameplay mode, and I love Dominion, and I could def, or I could play both of those, no problem. But I want more in that world. I love the champions, but they're, it's been really refreshing to play other games. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And so if they can add more variety back in League of Legends, I might be more interested to yeah. get back into it. But I'm scared to go back to it because I feel like, I got good at it because I played it so much. Now, I got to tell you, well, when we get to my segment, I'll tell you. Okay, well, actually, that's oh. that's all I got. Another... So, I've been, like, kind of ending my nights with a game of League of Legends, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe two, three nights a week I play one oh. match of League of Legends in Dominion. How can you do that? I just, like... Just it's, one it's match? Like I can never down. do it. Well... I gotta tell you, I've been playing Asona, and every time I play, I'm either first or second, and we typically win. So, I'm not needing, um, and I'm not saying, this isn't saying that I'm a great player, because you're re- you're the best Kog'Maw player I've ever played with. <laughs> so, I'm sure it's the same for you. It's like, you don't forget how to play. You know, it's all just natural. It's so many matches, so many hours we've pumped into that game, you just kind of know what you're doing, subconsciously. So that's what I do with Sona. I just I'm I'm winding down for the night. I'm ready to go to bed, but I'm going to get that one last game in, and <laughs> and and yeah, it's been awesome, man. And it's kind of refreshing to not play multiple matches like starting at nine o'clock and playing until midnight or whatever I used to do. It's like just one game, and then I go to bed, and I feel pretty fulfilled. And it's been fun that's too cool. because it's been a lot of 
total ownage and it's been <laughs> kind of nice to be kind of like introspective and be like wow i played that one game last night what did i do that i could do better you know so yeah i've been having a pretty good time with that let's go i might have to try that again because i you might try it just one game just like tell yourself one game that's all i'm gonna do i'm gonna go to bed and even if it's a loss you're like well at least i didn't play badly and <laughs> and you won't i mean i know if you play kogma i'm not saying you can't play other people but i know with him in particular you just that's your you know as i tell people with league of legends you're really lucky if you find your natural affinity with a champion within yeah. the first month of playing it. You're really lucky. Yeah, that didn't happen for me. And I thought sure. for me it was um, Tristana, but it's really Sona for me. I mm -hmm. mean, I, and Sona is awesome. I can, yes. First off, she's a really strong champion that's very much misunderstood, and so she's underrated. Nobody ever really thinks Sona's going to own me, but it happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. And... And I think she, I have a natural affinity with her. Mm -hmm. As you're good with her too. You're great with her. But I, I just feel like for me, she's like the ultimate champion. Yeah. After I play her, I try to play anybody else. It's not the same. Yeah, I, I still kind of enjoy Tristana, Poppy, and Talon. But oh, most, you are really good with all those too. I like those, mm -hmm. those. But I, for for me, it's you know, Sona is like the one, mm -hmm. especially with the Asian skin. I don't know what it is. It's about so that. cool. Oh, I love that skin. She needed a new skin so long, and yeah. they really delivered when they made that one. And it's so different. So mm -hmm. and Dominion, she just really shines for me. So, but um, yeah, I've been doing that mostly. I've been playing um, Star Wars: The Old Republic, the final run. So yeah, I got to level fifty, and I yep. thought as soon as I finished my story and became a Darth. Darth Bane or whatever my name is, um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be done. And then I was like, no, I don't have, like, I don't, my Twi'lek slave girl, I don't have my affection maxed out with her. So this is what's so funny about the game. So I was like, all right, I got to make sure she's, you know, maxed out on affection. So I started just spending all my money on gifts for her and I, every quest I could do, every daily quest I could do where... I did everything that was appropriate to make her agree with my selection mm -hmm. of choice, and mm -hmm. she, you know, you get like point affection points. So I maxed that out, and I'm married to her now. Oh, yeah, it's it's done. It's marriage. I'm married. So then my my sick mind with the legacy system came up with the concept of well, what if they had a daughter? So then I made I decided since my guy was as pure evil as a Sith could be, but was always loyal to his Twi'lek. I decided to make a daughter of the two <laughs> who is a Jedi um, who, instead of being like the Jedi Knight equivalent of a um, Juggernaut, which is the one lightsaber kind of Darth Vader type, I want to go with like the dual wielding. So that's what I made his daughter. And with her, I'm choosing like all the good paths. And so now I have this new oh. character I'm playing who's a Twi'lek who looks just like Vet, but... Um, is like a Jedi, and it's really fun. So I'm That's having a good cool. time with that. What's funny is you inherit traits from the legacy system. Yeah. So it's cool because I have the I have like the Sith warrior emote where she like goes like hunches down and like her hands glow red. And in a, there's like this moment of glory thing you can get, which you can call upon when you really need it. And you can it's it's got like a 60 minute cooldown, so you can't use it all the time. Yeah. But when it when you use it. It allows it, it resets certain cooldowns and allows all this other stuff. But one of the funniest things it does for her, in particular, because of who her dad is, 
is it allows her to do the force choke if you want, which is like oh, wow. the Darth Vader kind of signature yeah. thing. So here's this Jedi who's chosen nothing but like the right decisions. But if she's really pissed off at you, she can like basically just levitate you up in the air and still be wailing on you while she does it too, which is even cooler. So that's been kind of fun from a role playing cool. point of view. It's yeah. kind of fun and I kind of like it. And it's cool because I, I kind of um, like to see what the, it's a totally different storyline. You know, it's totally different. Is it the same class? Is it a different class? No, it's the same. It's a warrior. They're, they're, they're complementary classes. They're warrior. And then at level 10, I get to go instead of being the, um, the Sith side is juggernaut and, oh, I can't think of it. Uh, Marauder. It's the Jedi equivalent of a Marauder, and I chose Juggernaut with my main guy. So she's going to be a, a dual wielder, more DPS oriented yeah. than tanky, like her father. Mm-hmm. So that'll be kind of cool to try out. That does sound cool. And it's funny because I'm torn between that, and then also on the Republic side, there's the Smuggler class, which is the Han Solo archetype. And I have mm-hmm. a character that I started with that too, which is kind of cool as well. So that was one that I thought I want to try that. That and the the trooper, the trooper is really cool. So the way they're they're all diametrically opposed, right? There's yeah. the imperial agent is um, is kind of the complementary class for the um, inquisitor. No, the wait, that's so the inquisitor on the Jedi on the um, Sith side is a counselor for a Jedi side. Yeah. A Sith warrior is a Jedi knight. And then there's the um, smuggler is an imperial agent, so you can imagine stealth and diplomacy. Uh-huh. And then there's the trooper is the bounty hunter. Oh so yeah. yeah. Think Boba Fett versus like a really badass imperial Clone Wars. Yeah, Clone Wars Wipes guy. Trooper. A Republic, depending on yeah. which era you're at. So. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. So yeah, I, I I made I made like one of each, right? I've got four imperial versions and four um, uh, Sith versions, and they're all the diametrically opposed classes. So I could experience like all the different storylines and kind of know what it's like to be, you know, the DPS version or the tanky version or the healer version or the you know you know the, all that. So mm-hmm. but. I thought I was done, but I'm enjoying it. And I'm also still with my level 50. I've been maxing him out. I've been working on, I've been playing (laughs) PVP matches with them and they have like all of the unreal tournament type classic stuff. Plus they have a football version, which is hot ball. And I've been playing that and I've just got like my first piece of, um, you know, of really high level PVP gear, which I went for the lightsaber right away because I wanted to just increase my DPS. So it's kind of cool. I have a, like I have a red lightsaber, like the like you've seen in Star Wars movies, but with a black core to it. So it's like a weird inverted looking kind of oh, thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I have that, and I've got my armors all. I have like a consistent suit of armor now, and everything. It's pretty fun. I don't know. And so I'm still basically I'm still enjoying it, way more than I thought I would. I thought I'd be done. And you know, it's funny though because here we sit. You know what? Five days away. Uh, yeah. From you know D Day, uh, Diablo three lunch, mm-hmm. and at that point it'll all be forgotten and shelved, and the subscription will be canceled because there's just no way I don't think. But you're being realistic, which is good. Yeah, that's it. I haven't played any other games, just the occasional. Well, it was an epic story, nevertheless. Yeah, I know. I, I always go. 
I always go overboard on that game as far as my description of what's going on, you know, but it's it's fun. Well, yeah, it's, you, you're enjoying it, and yeah. it's good to hear a positive story about that. Well, game. and the other thing is, too, that with um, World of Warcraft, I got, you know, a couple characters to max level in that game, but I never did anything um, beyond that. You, oh, well... And in this one, I actually yeah. am. I mean, my character, I'm continuing to do... Pe- one, one really quick side story that's kind of funny is... I'm in a guild um, on my server called Guar, which Guar, I don't know if you remember, but they're the, the, theatrical... the silly theatrical death metal or yeah. a thrash metal kind of performance band. Um, so I've been in a lot of people, before I was in Guar, I was in a lot of PvP battles and people would be like, God damn it. I hate it when we're up against those guys because what they do is they get like a, they get a group together and then they all jump into a queue at the same time. And they're really good. And so I'm in Gore now, so it was pretty easy to get in. I just made a, made buddies with a guy named Hat Trick, and he, he was, like, recruiting one night, and I got in without any – I wasn't even level 50 yet. But I'm in this guild that's really good at PvP, but I didn't queue up with them one night, and so I, I was unfortunate enough to be in a – pvp battle where i was the sole guar representative on one side and the other side was all guar and they were just owning us and and it was so funny because on guild chat i'm watching them go man these guys suck they're fucking horrible and on my um my like battlefield chat or whatever ops chat i guess it's called they're like god these guys are fucking good they're amazing and then they're like Bane, what the fuck are you doing? You're you're on their side. Are you giving them information? <laughs> no, man. I'm just trying not to die. They're like, I just die. I would die. I'd take two, three steps, die. Four steps, maybe die. And I was just like, I'm not providing inside information. I am simply trying to win. And then it was really funny because one of the gore guys came and was just about to kill me. He was like, then in guilt chat, you see Bane? What are you doing? I'm like, I didn't know you guys were queuing up, man. This is all random. And he's like, well, next time tell us or something like that. And so it's really funny. So I got destroyed by my own guild. And it was, like, horrible because it was hutball. And normally it's, like, you know, a score is, like, 3 to 2 or 4 to 3. Really low values. Yeah, it was, like, 9 or 10 to 0. Oh. Well, we were totally destroyed. And I Painful. got, like, zero experience out of it. I got oh. no money. I got nothing out of it. Total waste of time. Yeah. Except, Except for shame. Humiliation mixed with a little bit of pride. I'm like, that's my guild, but I'm just not part of them. <laughs> so, anyway, that's that's the end of my wow. what I've been playing. Very cool. I'm curious if any of our listeners are going to juggle both Diablo 3 and something else. Potentially yeah. Old Republic. Or, or will it be End of Days? Is it? Or, yeah. Are they going to just focus exclusively on that game? I kind of feel like, you know, like John Connor, like knowing what the future is, but I can't really share it with my spouse or my children. I'm like, you know, five days, the world pretty much ends as far as <laughs> my visibility to you. You know, I'll just be cut off. I'll be a shadow of the man you see because I'll be staying up until 4 a.m. every night and I'll like shamble off to work and then I'll come home put on some kind of facade that I'm like actually a, a <laughs> decent parent but actually I'll just be thinking Diablo, Diablo, my dark lord Diablo and I'll get everybody you know situated and then I'll go go downstairs and do it go again. the dungeon. Yeah. Are you taking the day off from work for when you get it? 
No, no, I'm not. Ryan is. I, I, I joked about that, but I, I secret. I really won't be. You know, the problem is because it's coming in the mail. It could come in at any time. Yeah, kind of silly. That's what's going to be sad. I bet is that next week when people have been playing it for several days, we're probably still going to be waiting for a copy to come in the mail. Yeah, I mean, I think they have it set up to where there is a URL you can go to and download it, have it downloaded in advance. But until you get the product key. You can't play it. Yeah. And if if you were smart, like Ryan, and you had the, you know, digital distribution standard and the collector's edition, then you would be covered. And then later you could put in the digital, or the collector's edition thing for your digital goodies. But I just didn't want to spend that much money on a game. Not even Diablo. As significant as it is to me. Yeah. It's just... It's good to have some limits. Yeah. Some limits to your insanity, right? <laughs> I'm pretty crazy, but, like, I don't have sex with ostriches. So, you know, it's all good still. I'm, I haven't crossed that threshold Only yet. when you're ready to take you to the next level. Well, unless it looks like Felicia Day. <laughs> that That is a joke, because we were having that conversation earlier. <laughs> yes. yes, the Felicia Day That, that ostrich, voice. I like the way it works. Oh, no. gross. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. All right. <laughs> There was a time when my world was filled with darkness, darkness, We're going to take a quick break, but we're not playing music. We're actually taking a break from talking about video games briefly. To talk about other geeky stuff, this is something that we can thank Jason for introducing a few weeks ago. Yeah. Just a general geekery type section, because it's not just all video games for us. No, we're, our There's geekery other goes far beyond just yeah. that. So first of all... We I, I was able to go see the Avengers last Friday with Jason and Jim. Wow. Which was really cool. Three of the four. Yeah, unfortunately Mark wasn't able to come. Did you guys turn into like a robot at the end? <laughs> <laughs> a robot with just one leg instead of two. Missing a leg or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's like I was so stressed out trying to get down there. There's all these street festivals going Where on. Where did you go? Where did you see it? Uh, at the pavilions. Oh, man, yeah. It was really cool. We saw the regular edition because Jim hates 3D versions. I, too, hate 3D. Oh, you do, too? Mm-hmm. Um, i I'm still on the fence. I still like them if it's filmed truly in 3D, not well, the post-processing yeah. like 3D. There's, there's Avatar's version of 3D, which is, yeah, yeah. way good. Resident Evil Afterlife was one of those, two. Yeah, that's another one. But the ones where it's, like, Added real, by a computer. really, really cheesily done. And, yeah. Like... Clash of the Titans, mm. Alice in Wonderland. There's a lot of them out there. That... Where it's like a 2D piece comes out at you in three dimensions, but it's still 2D. Yeah, it's so cheesy. So like, it's like you're looking at a diorama. Yeah, it's a totally... That's right. Yeah, or a pop-up book or something. Yeah, yeah, it's corny. Yeah, it's like... So that aside, the movie is fantastic. Still waiting for Mark to go see it so we can talk about it. Well, Jason and Jim totally loved it. And then we put them back in the mothballs and I went home. <laughs> Didn't know... Has Jason seen a negative review and dramatically changed his opinion like he did with Star Wars Episode 1? I didn't know that he did that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really? I love it. It's awesome. Wait, I read a bad review. It sucks. It's horrible. It's so funny you said that because I just got the complete saga on Blu-ray. Oh, wow, man. That must be cool to have. Oh, it's such. A, it's got this cool storybook packaging, and I don't regret it. Except for Phantom Menace, and I'm like, I'm going to watch Phantom Menace again. I'm going to watch these in order. I'm going to find time somewhere to watch all these movies on Blu-ray. And I don't know if I'm going to watch them in official order or the recommended order that we've talked about in the past, where it's like one, two, 
four, five, six, three, or something oh, yeah, like that. Oh yeah, yeah, that is that's Bob's thing. That's a cool idea. Yeah, but either way, I'm like Phantom Menace. I have not seen that in like 13 years. Maybe I'll like it now that I'm more mature and I know what to expect and I have some perspective. Nope. No, it still. Sucks. <laughs> there was shit that I forgot about that just enraged me when I first saw it. And I know why I forgot about it, because it pissed me off so much that I'm like, I can't believe I forgot this bullshit. Like, basically, that he's like an immaculate conception, Christ child. So he's, who's the father? There was no father. Yeah, well, no he's like, father. and there's this bullshit about midi-chlorians. He's like, maybe the midi-chlorians conceived this one. And they're talking about, maybe he'll restore balance to the force. I'm like, there's no significant evil. What is there to fucking balance in the force? And there's just so much bullshit. And that kid, most of all, and his horrific acting. I will put that even beyond Jar Jar. Because Jar Jar I can just kind of go numb about. That just kid. like whatever. But the kid that plays Anakin if, is such a horrific actor. If The Sixth Sense hadn't come out like close to that movie's launch date. And exactly. Saw, and like, shown a us a kid, good actor. Yeah, a real actor at that age versus that performance. Or even the subsequent ones with... Like Natalie Portman as her worst as actor act, as an actress, because they had a shitty director. Yeah, and the really? dialogue. I yeah. love you. I love you too. I love you more than you love <laughs> the love that is the love that was loved a thousand years before the love began. The love. Now, and I was... love that too about you that you love the love. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, just... No, episode two I did like because there was this cool like X Files vibe with the the creepy aliens with the super long necks oh, and yeah, yeah. the whole clone stuff and yeah. the, the secret Star Wars, the Death Star stuff and it's just like wow this is really cool except for that shitty romance stuff that was yeah. the worst part of that but fortunately that it was, was pretty so contained bad. and it wasn't like all the way through the show like that little kid was one thing that I did able that I was able to use my expectations and my knowledge with was knowing that the Queen Amidala is played by both Natalie Portman and Kara Knightley. Oh, yeah. Because they look pretty similar. And I totally noticed this time. When I first saw the movie, I was so fucking confused. I'm like, wait, which one's the handmaid and which one's right, not? Right. One of them's gotten killed. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, which one's which? But this time, especially since I've watched three seasons of the Clone Wars cartoon, which granted doesn't use Natalie Portman, but she has a distinctive voice that's noticeably higher than Kara Knightley. I'm like, whoa, when did Amidala get like the super low puberty voice <laughs> and like oh. a really strong British accent because right. Kara Knightley's British and Natalie Portman's not. Right. And they don't distinguish between those until unless they're play acting as Amidala. I'm like, I can tell that's not the right one. And now it is. And then it's not. And I'm like, oh, now I get it. So that was kind of cooler. Well, that's and there's definitely cool moments like the pod race sequence is awesome. Yeah. The battle with Darth Maul is awesome. Oh, yeah. The the journey through the ship's, the planet's core, the underwater sea monsters was awesome. But, yeah, it's definitely not the worst. Not that you could go through a planet's core. That's made out of water. It's not possible. Yeah. So, and then, oh, the the head of the Gungans, it is, blah, 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 and I'm like, oh my god, this is so, so stupid. have you seen the film, there's like a, a multi-part um, YouTube film critic, critical analysis. Oh, of, by that guy that talks like That this, talks like he's had a stroke. Yeah. Have you seen any of that? I've seen a chunk of it, yeah. He's awesome. I mean, what, so he, um, on the second segment of it, he shows a star, distro- he's like, he's like, Here's why the new stuff sucks. Look at episode four. In the very first ten minutes, he's like, there's the rebel ship, which is small, being chased a gigantic, advanced-looking thing that's the Empire. It tells you everything you need to know. 
the rebel it, the rebellion is you know a ragtag kind of conglomeration yeah. of people they are outmatched in every way by um, sheer size and mass and technology by the empire the empire is gaining on them they have them you know it's like he like takes like this he does this like totally cool metaphorical analysis of the first 10 minutes of episode and it's four so true and he says where is this in everything else that the guy's ever done like he's like episode one through three totally fails and he just lists all that but then he also adds in the whole thing that he may well be a serial killer and there's like he's like my grandkids leave the action figures in the basement and there's this lady like chained up to a wall he's like please let me go and he's like you're not supposed to see that there's like all these like really humorous things he does he's he he obviously has a an awesome vocabulary but he mispronounces protagonist He's like, Remember he that. Called, this is Luke Skywalker. He's a protagonist. And it's like <laughs> stuff like that. It's like really awesome. He's and a good entertainer and he's smart. And he's smart, yeah. And he, yeah. And, but he has these like keen insights and obviously knows film. So, but yeah, I mean, that, that was like my favorite thing I ever saw about episode one through three was the, the critique on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, so. There's something else I was gonna say. I, I can't quite recall, but they're still enjoyable, even if you just let all yeah. that go. They're, you know, they're not total failures. No, no. There's definitely Darth Maul's cool, redeemable moments in it, uh, and I will continue my journey and provide my ongoing reactions, seeing the movies again after seeing them in the theaters and whatnot. Do you think it'd be cool if, like, if a if a totally new director? Um, were to do something in the the old republic kind of space i think yeah i think that if a new director were going to take it on and it wasn't lucas that they'd make sure that they got somebody really skilled like you use the lucas arts technology but yeah don't let him write and don't let him direct yep which means he's gonna have to die so we're gonna have to wait probably another 30 (laughs) years before that dream will realize but Maybe some kid born in his low-income housing in Lucas Valley (laughs) will find the proverbial lightsaber and, you know, take over. (laughs) We can only hope. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing for me is that I finished Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh, yeah. Ended up being really good. It's it's really cool. I've never read anything. Is that going to be a movie? Yeah. Yeah, it's coming out in a couple in a couple months, I think, if not next month. Wow! Uh, so I'm really glad that I got through it. I've never read anything that in depth about Abraham Lincoln. It's obviously based on fact with a whole bunch of fiction. Yeah. Going. But it's really what well a done. Cool idea. And it's cool, and I I'm a, I can see why people would read it and think like this would make a cool movie. Yeah. But it's going to all be in the execution, just like with the Star Wars movies, if it's actually good. Or if it's something shitty like Wanted was, which is directed by the same director. Oh, awesome. Something uh, to look forward to. But we shall see. And that leaves time. It's like, well, what should I read first? I, it's like, do I want to read a Xanth book? Because I, I love those are my filler books. They're just, they read fast and they're funny and they're fantasy. Or Game of Thrones, which I really want to read. Or Ready Player One. And I think it's going to be Ready Player One because I can stop hearing you guys talk about it. <laughs> I know, man. I think you'll love that book, and you won't. And it'll go so fast. You'll be like, because you don't read. You, it's not that it goes so fast because there's not enough words. It's not like a pamphlet. It's yeah. that after chapter, I think chapter three, it just explodes, and you just can't put it down, and you make excuses for time to read, and supposed to just reading when it's convenient. 
Mm-hmm. And then it's done. It just goes so quickly. And you're like, those sons of bitches. And you're like, I want vengeance. And then you're like, yes, that fucking rocks. So it's that kind of a book, you know. It's I'm not... looking forward to it. And plus, interestingly enough, um, for those of our listeners who live in Denver, um, uh, occasional co-host Jeff wrote in that Ernest Klein, the writer of Ready Player One, will be in Denver for a book tour on Thursday, June 14th. At an undisclosed Tattered Cover location. That is just because Tattered Cover is way off on keeping up to date with their... Um, Are you serious? Yeah, I can't... You go to their website and you can't figure out which one it's going to be at. And he just said, I'm going to be at Tattered Cover so in Denver. So I'm not sure which Well, I'm location. sure you could call one of them and say, yeah. is this where it's going to be? There's only two of them, thank goodness. Yeah, so I got a... There's the downtown or the Cherry Creek one, right? Colfax, Cherry Creek one's gone. Oh, is that gone? It moved. Oh, to that's right. I heard about that. Hopefully, it's Colfax one. So there's downtown. There's like 16th Street Mall or Colfax. Yeah. Um, but if anyway, you live in Denver, that means something. I definitely want to go. Yeah, <laughs> Colfax is infamous. Yeah, it's one of the. It's the longest running street in the in United a, States. In the United States, yeah. And parts of it have hookers. So anyway. Um, I live just a couple blocks away from it. Yeah. Home sweet no home. No one likes to, you know, <laughs> where my money be out? I remember I told my parents that I was going to be living on 12th Street and Colfax's 15th Street. I'm like, oh, my God, what? Yeah. Live where? My parents were like, oh, my God, you're going to be by the prostitutes Did the drug Did you get dealers? your big hat and your fur coat? <laughs> <laughs> just call me. Oh, I'm trying to think of a cool pimp name for you. But yeah, so that's kind of cool, though. We get to see the author. So if you read it. Before June, it, June 14th, this is perfect timing. Then um, you'll be able to actually meet the guy and kind of know what he's all about. And it's cool. When I read the book, I just felt like I must have grown up. Like if I had had like a little brother, it would have been him because it mm-hmm. was like he just obviously lived through a lot of the same stuff I did. Minus the anime, I never got into anime. But um, what else do we have? Um, oh, as far as literary reading. So this interesting thing for me, probably not for many people, but there's this book series called The Wheel of Time that when it first came out, which was back in the 80s, 84, yeah, 84, my first year in high school. So that dates me. Um, (laughs) It was like awesome. He had written a bunch of Conan books before, like rewritten them Mm -hmm. and done a really stellar job. And so when I saw Robert Jordan was had written a a unique, you know, an An original, uh, an original fantasy novel. I thought, wow, how cool. I bet it'll be as fast-paced and as dramatic as his, you know, Conan stuff. And I was blown away. There was all this depth to it. it. You know, Conan obviously includes objectification of women, and in this the women were powerful, and the men were powerful too, mm-hmm. and they all, everybody, like, kind of had their own way of thinking about the world, and it started, he purposefully started it out with a lot of references to um, kind of like The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien, where it starts out in a sleepy kind of village and slowly kind of moves away from there, and the cast of characters starts to expand. It was awesome. The first four books of the series were awesome, totally gripping. I convinced a bunch of friends to read it, who then, you know, they, they loved it too. So I had all these people that were reading it and telling me about it, and we were all like sitting around and talking about it. And then by about book seven, you were like, my God, it's still not wrapped up. It started to slow down. Book eight became just really slow. You're like, did anything actually happen in the last three books? I can't really remember if there was any progress made. You know, people that were killed came back to life. So you're like, what the hell? What's the point there? You know, you're like, there's all these 
the he'd lost track of his characters. Like there were so many characters that the POV characters <laughs> were people that you might you might read like three chapters worth of this person and never go back to them again. What and you were like, hell? what's the point of all these POV characters that aren't you know central to the story? It just it's like it's like. It started out as like it was kind of like the bottom of a triangle, and it started to just expand upward as the books went out, to where there was just all these different characters and subplots and arcs and stuff, and you couldn't, you were like, it's never going to tie back together, and it, that's what it seemed like. It kept going until book eleven, and at that, at, by eleven, it was like moving at almost well no book 10 it was moving at a glacial pace and i i quit reading it like i quit <laughs> like, reading it i told series. everybody that was reading it i'm like, sorry i referred the series to you <laughs> i apologize i am i i you know if there's some kind of penance you would like me to perform to make up for what i've done to the waste hours of your life of which there are not a few because 11 books at Oh god, what is it? I think there he averages like 3000 words per book or something like that. So oh. they're they're like tomes each one of them. So I'm like, you know, I'm not 3000, 30000 words I think it is. <laughs> so I mean, you know, it's like I just imagined a 3000 word tome. It's horrible. It's just, you know, so I felt a lot of guilt for all the people I'd referred to because it was clearly spiraling out of control. Book book 10 was just so slow. Book 11 started to kind of come back, and then the author died. And I was like... <laughs> and it was still not concluded. I'm like, all right, everybody, I'm really, really sorry now because <laughs> the author never years finished ago. it, and you're all wondering what's going to happen, and there's like all these different unresolved subplots. So... What's crazy is the guy, Robert Jordan's wife is Harriet, is his editor, and they found this guy who, much like me, had started reading the books in 1984 when it first came out, mm -hmm. and he became a writer, unlike me, and was a very, he's a good writer, very good writer, but has never said that he was not, like his number one influence is this Robert Jordan guy, and so he um, was like one of the people on their short list of of authors to get to finish it because Robert Jordan left, and that's like his big name. Goodness, he left all the notes and he left the ending written out like exactly how it wrapped. Because they're all working towards this thing called Tarman Gaiden, which is basically like Armageddon, which is where our, pro our main protagonist of there's gazillions of protagonists, but the main protagonist. <laughs> Is supposed to battle the Dark One at this place called Shale Ghoul, battle it out and and win, but die somehow. He'll win, but he'll die, and he'll end his life, but he will, will defeat the darkness. And that's supposed to be the ending that's been foretold by the prophecies in the series. Well, the guy left the end written out, and he left several other key pieces of, um, you know, of like plot lines where he was tying up arcs and stuff like that, yeah. or at least he left you know crude sketches sort of yeah. of what it was. So they they keep going through all these people and they finally go back to this one guy who's just basically said you know I feel like my mentor is Robert Jordan even though I've never met him. He's been he's been at like he'd been at like you know like Dragon Con and stuff where Robert Jordan had been but had never actually met him in person he'd listened to him oh, he wow. never met him but he was like his hugest fan basically but on the merit of the only his own books that he'd written they were like this guy might be a contender so they called him up and said hey would you be interested you're on the short list eventually they brought him in and and 
he was the number one pick to finish the series. And so he went to the house, and, and the Harriet lady, the editor, is like, hey, I made some muffins. Are you hungry? And he's like, no, i got to find out how it ends. <laughs> so like, blows through the house, goes straight up to like the guy's like writing area, and reads the ending, because he has to know. And then he has to know there's a like a Forsaken, which are these really evil people named Asmodian who was mysteriously killed. He reads through the notes until he finds out how that happened, because that's like the number two question for him. And then he's like, okay, now I can live. And so, basically, they put this guy, they, like, turn it all over to him. They give him all the notes. They give him all the, everything that Robert Jordan ever wrote. He, like, rereads the entire series, like, eight times in a row. Oh, my God. And then God. proceeds to write book 12, which book 12 was supposed to be the a final book. book. Yeah. And he's like, it's too big. There is no way. It's three books. And they looked at it, and they're like, oh, it's like 90,000 words worth or whatever. <laughs> so it does, in fact, have to be three books. We're not really trying to make money here, but it would be a book that would be like, you know, eight inches wide on a bookshelf <laughs> in a paperback format. So you can't make a paperback that big, right? And if it was a hardback, who knows how, you know, it might, well, like, you know, just break a bookshelf. So like, all right, so we're going to have to break it up into three parts. So it'll be book 12, 13, and 14. So I just finished book 12, and I have to say... This guy is an awesome writer, and and I am so excited about the series now that when we go to Dragon Con, I'm going to try and follow the Wheel of Time track because he totally reinvigorated oh. me. I am so into it, man. I am so into it that uh, I only have – he, he also wrote book 13, and he's going to release book 14, which is the final book in uh, April of 2000, or, um, 2013. Yes. So I plan to read um, book 13 and then reread the entire series because wow. this guy has, like, done such a killer job. I can't Im- – I think it, it's in my top ten list book uh, of best books I've This ever is read. only book 12 this is book of 12. 14. So much stuff was written and done and handled and done so well. It's stuff just, was resolved. Re, yeah, plot lines were resolved, but they weren't resolved, like, satisfactorily. They were resolved better than I could have ever possibly imagined it. I mean, the way he wrote it, he, his style, it, he can't help it. It's very similar to Robert Jordan because that's kind of his, you know, inspiration. Yeah. But yet, there, there are things he's done in this book that I think are better than Robert Jordan would have done them. Wow. It's really impressive. So and is the pace picked up again? Not the pace so... is like lightning fast. It starts out lightning fast. In fact, some critics on Amazon.com were like, like the the reception has been awesome. Some people were like, it's just too fast paced for me. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. It has to happen or we'll never get done with this thing. But the <laughs> pace Can you imagine is... it's that fast and it still has to be three books? It, fortunately, book 11 started to ramp up, but it was like a, it was like a ramp up. And like if there's a scale of like one to 2,000, it ramped up to about from about negative 100 to, <laughs> to like maybe like, you know, 200. And then this book, this thing kicks off at like a thousand and just goes crazy. And it's this rapid pace. All these things are resolved. Wow. It's done really well. So nothing you... seems, it, nothing seems abbreviated. You know, it, it's not like he's compromising time. or cutting corners. Yeah, he's not cutting any corners. He's giving it all of everything he can, and you feel like you're getting enough. But so now, have you gone back awesome. to your friends like a third time to tell them? No, I haven't done that yet. I think the shame might be too great. So I think I'll finish book 13 and then I'll be like, so that series, I might want to look into it again. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
which point they'll probably backhand me. <laughs> I don't know what'll happen, but that's great. Well, that wraps up our general geekery section. Unexpectedly long. Unexpectedly, we thought that was going to be the short one. Maybe not. Maybe the round table was short. That's coming up next. Our first roundtable topic is going to talk about Jordan Meshner. If you are a long-time video gamer, you, re- you may remember him all the way back to Karateka or Karateka or... Oh, I remember Karateka. Karateka, however you want to pronounce it. We called it Karateka, and I remember... It's erotica with a K. It's erotica. <laughs> it's martial arts and porn combined. No, it's it's not, but I first saw it on like a... Uh, Either like an Apple IIe... For me, it was an Atari. Or um, maybe a Commodore or something. It was like one of the very first genuinely cinematic video games I Yeah. Because it had a little... And by cinematic, Five second intro <laughs> sequence, but it's like, oh my gosh, there's like acting and emotions. Yeah. <laughs> and characters. It was so cool. It was so different. Yeah, and they and were really not... well animated. Yeah. That was also followed by The Last Express, which was... An adventure game that's going to be get coming to iOS pretty soon. And, of course, last but definitely not least, Prince of Persia, also coming from this gentleman. And in a story over on Gama Sutra, he has talking about how, in conjunction with his Last Express game getting re-released, he basically says older game forms, such as uh, his Last Express adventure game, they don't go away. So when we talk about the quote-unquote evolution of games, I think that's misleading because it implies that the older forms no longer exist. It actually makes sense to make a game like Asteroids now in a way that it hasn't in the last 20 years because it makes sense to play Asteroids on your iPhone the way that it doesn't make sense to play it on your PlayStation 3. That's a good point. So yeah, he's, he's talking, and he makes a really cool analogy tying this back to film it's easy to take film as an analogy he continued your early films were adaptations of stage plays or literary works and then we had films that were remakes of earlier films (laughs) and so therefore paraphrasing what he says and quoting from Gama Sutra part of any part of any art medium's quest for its voice involves initially being imitative before finding its own strengths and going through phases of popular appeal versus experimentation. Uh, in conclusion, he said, uh, when game forms come back, they don't come back the same way. They come back into a new environment where things are possible that were not possible before. You can now make a game that's about games. You can comment on your older forms. You're not just copying them. And I think it's kind of cool. What do you think about this point of view that... Old game forms never really die. Oh. Classics are always here, and even classic game models, game design models, I completely will agree. Popular. I think he used a, a um, Asteroids as one example in the article about how you could remake Asteroids for the iPhone and mm-hmm. still be cool, and you could. Or how about like those reboots of um, Pac-Man and Galaga? Oh yeah, those for are XCLA so or whatever. 
Those yeah. are so cool. I mean, it plays techno. Pac-Man now plays techno music. As you're about to get eaten by a ghost, it goes into super slow mo. It's like, really? Do you really want to go right? Yeah. <laughs> probably go left. Probably you can go up blow up bombs you in can the blow second up, one. Yeah, you can blow up bombs. I mean, it it's true, and it's it's cool. It's like there's. But it's not cheesy. It's actually it's fun. It's still quality. Oh yeah. And it's an evolution of an old game form that's almost as great if not just as great as what it was before but it's reinvented and so therefore so fresh right right yeah no i like cave story is like a redo of a platform game that you know mm-hmm. reminds me of like um uh, metroid or turrican yeah. or something like that and the meanwhile in kickstarter we're getting tons of adventure games greenlit as well as even sequels to rpgs like wasteland and shadow run oh yeah that Things we never that thought, thought we'd, see again. we'd never see again and yet they're getting like people are going well i'll pitch for that and they are they're putting their money where their mouth is in a way that you know normally you'd have to go try and sell a venture capitalist or a game company on this who would normally be very risk averse and probably not want to do that fucking wasteland too there's no way man that time has come and gone nobody wants to see that again yeah and there's already fallout why are we going to compete with Fallout? yeah who who dares compete with fallout 3 which was done so well or the new franchise so, yeah, I think he's got a great point. And, and plus, I mean, the guy has the cred to say what he's saying and be listened yeah. to. I mean, he's not just... I mean, Karateka was like... It was a big deal to me when I first saw that game. I was like, that is awesome. I loved it. Yeah, even though it was brutally hard, yeah, I loved the presentation of it so much that I'm like, I've got to see more of this game. Yeah. I've got to keep playing. I've and got you would to get better trying. and better to be able to see more of it. Yeah, and there'd be when I would play it, there'd be three or four of us, and we would just take turns. Oh, that's a great way to. Which do was kind of cool, you know. But we were in high school or middle school or whatever. We had all the time in the world, you know. Yeah, it didn't matter. I miss those days sometimes. Just yeah, for games. I know I don't have all the time in the world anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and you got to read Ready Player One because it's all about that. But um, yeah, great, great points. Totally agree with them. I think. I think people who get this idea will be successful as they try to make games for emerging platforms. Mm-hmm. They're not really emerging anymore. They're there. Yeah. The mobile platforms. Unless you want to go with Blackberry's Rim, but that's just kind of like, you know, kicking yourself in the teeth. Yeah. Or Microsoft's silly little version. But. Now, going back to your previous statements about this being the golden age of gaming, do you think that, or a new golden age of gaming, do you think that this resurgence or this continuation of old game styles would be as prevalent or exist at all if it weren't for the additional mobile platforms and concepts like Kickstarter? Do you think that video games would find a way? I, I think, well, I think when the mobile gaming started up and became accessible, I think that was the beginning Kickstarter mm-hmm. seems to be cool because it's really kind of ushering in the blast from the past kind of thing. Like, yeah, I really did want to see uh, a sequel to Galaga or something like that. Yeah. You know, not that that's one of them, but um, I think that's just icing on the cake. And I think Steam is huge, too, in that mm-hmm. um, providing a way for people to distribute their product without having to go through distributors and, and stores and, yeah. you know, you can just get it directly out there. And of course the mobile gaming stuff just does that even easier or mm-hmm. as easy, I guess. Yeah. So. Listeners, exciting. give us your point of view. 
are do you feel like this is the golden age of gaming and do you think that old game styles never die they just come become reborn and new platforms and new mediums or as gaming tastes change or the gaming demographic expands and there's an interest in games that are not super complex but still really engaging let yeah. us know we'd love to hear what yeah you think. mail m-a-i-l hey that was the shortest section we have one more roundtable topic to go and that is is it time for price cuts to consoles and video games so, if so, how much? So it inherently, I mean, because I always against the pricing, yes. But thinking of what it would be like for a developer with a, you know, a process that takes four to, you know, three, two, three, four years to get a product out. Yeah. Well, what would that be like? You're like, we forecasted it, you know, we, everything was basic and dice for our game and you're the same title. Yeah. You know. I don't think that that's really... How can a price go backwards unless there's competition, but with everybody releasing their games at any game that's a AAA or AA or A title launches at $69 for a console and 59 for a PC, right? I mean, It's 59 for consoles. Oh, 59. I'm sorry. Unless yeah. it's a Wii game. Pretty much most games release no higher than forty nine ninety nine on Wii for some reason, which is and, nice if you're a Nintendo. And PC games are that, right? PC games were, but starting with Blizzard StarCraft Two, that kind of started oh, yeah. the mudslide, so to speak, of more and more games coming out at fifty nine. So how do you think it's conceivable? I mean, I, the analyst is right. It's time for hardware to drop. Yeah, we're quoting. Baird researcher Colin Sebastian, who has said that uh, PS3 and Xbox 360 should not only drop their prices, the 99 Xbox scheme, it's good, the price cut would be more effective. And then on Tati said that most quote-unquote software releases should drop down to a $50 price point. So, I I don't know, my, I said it, but I think hardware should definitely drop. Yeah. Software, I don't see how it's possible. Well, in his proposition, or his proposal, his proposition, <laughs> his proposal... His indiscreet proposition. ...is that the cut would come from reducing the royalty fees that Microsoft and Sony charge. So it would be the console mm. manufacturers taking the cut. But, I mean, in general, po- possible positive impact of having $50 games would be Maybe fewer used games and more new games would be sold, but I'm not sure if that's substantial enough of a cut. Yeah. I mean, this is like back in the PS1 games where most games were $40 and there was occasionally $50. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Not bad at all, but. I. Yeah. I don't know. What could possibly impact, aside from consoles that built in, you know, prohibitive measures for um, resale of games what could possibly stop the used game kind of model dropping it to from the ultra exorbitant $60 price point to 50 wouldn't do it no. digital distribution is the only way to stop to break it I, I think, think so the yeah. other way the restricting 
you know, making it all based on a on a light you know, unique a light, key or a unique key that you get, yeah, that can only be used once. You can do it, but man, that's that's gonna piss off a lot of people. It already does. I mean, anytime they do de- exclusive DLC, people get pissy. Well, yeah, unlike Diablo three, even if you're playing single player only, you have to be continuously connected to the internet. Right. I mean, there's all sorts of funny things going on already to try to deal with this type of stuff. I, but like you, Mark, I, I'm skeptical that a price cut would really change consumer behavior that much, let alone benefit the actual publishers and developers. Yeah. I mean, I can see superficially an argument being made that most developers worth their salt that have invested a lot of money buying really expensive equipment, development systems, training resources, like five years ago when the console generation started, they should have earned their money back by now. Yeah. They should be able to afford lower prices, sacrifice an initial upfront profit with the hope that in the long term you'll get a greater profit because the volume will increase. Right. I I can understand that, but I don't think it's that bulletproof. And uh, like you're saying... I don't either. Digital model would solve the use games debacle but self as a consumer I really would hope that given that there's going to be cost savings in going digital that games would cost cheaper in digital but I don't think they're going to go back down I think it's going to be like well you're lucky we're selling it to you at $60 now because if we were paying for the printing of stuff and the marketing and everything yeah. they'd be $70 so that's the savings you're getting and then we still end up playing the same damn price yeah, I think consumers always get screwed in this, and you know, and no matter what you do, at the end of the day, we we only have so much of a tolerance for being screwed, and yeah. we'll figure out a way to get around it. You know, it's it's not really that hard anymore to hack a console, no matter what it is, despite mm-hmm. what they'd like us to think. Yeah. Um, even if we just want to do it to play, um you know, games for foreign markets, right? Like if mm-hmm. I want to, if I don't want the regional lockout for something that's a Japanese product or something that is exclusive or, you know, believed to be exclusive. If I want to play it here, I could probably hack my Wii, for instance. Oh yeah. Put in a mod chip. Or yeah. Something or whatever. whatever. Right. And you know, it's like, it's just silly to think that, as a console of the three big consoles that they really are going to prevent people from buying games used or figuring out a way to pirate them, especially on the PC. I mean that we know that. Mm -hmm. So the only way I think to really ensure that you defeat that ability to cheat is to make it digital distribution where you have to be online and make it a foolproof system. Mm -hmm. If they were cool, I think it would be cool if you could trade or resell resale, resell your digital assets with a commission feedback to the yeah. publisher. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. So if it was built in, I wouldn't feel so bad, especially if it was a realistic fee. If I had a game I had bought new for $60, or say, so let's be realistic, say it was $40 because it was digital distribution and it's consuming valuable hard drive space on my console. And I played it, and I'm done. And I want to um, put it up on some kind of, you know, sanctioned auction house. Yeah. For instance, or or it's just a, you know, some kind of trading system. That, and there's a flat, or a, there's a a 
pre-established resale fee. Say yeah. you can sell. Say say you downloaded, um, you know, trying to, and now you can resell it for ten dollars. Mm-hmm. You do that, and the publisher gets you know fifteen percent of that resale. That would be fair to me as a consumer. Mm-hmm. I would still get some money for reselling it that I could yeah. use to buy something new, which is good for the industry because it means I'm going to take the money that I made off this and, you know, get something else, probably a new product from somebody else in the industry. Yet the people that made the game are still going to get a percentage from my trade. Yeah. If you tracked it back, I think digital just distribution solves so many of the problems that everybody is worried about and still can be good for the consumer. Ideally, though, you know my thoughts. I think after you sell something for a hundred percent of what you're going to get for it, then it's no longer yours to resell or resell. You know. Yeah. But that's just because I think water in, under the bridge. I think Mark. of brick and mortar type things. Like if I sell this guitar, you know, I should get a hundred percent of what yeah. I sold it for because I paid a hundred percent of the price to the people who made it. So. Yeah. But I think it could. I think digital dis- distribution and redistribution could work really well. That's a really good idea. I don't Maybe know. we'll hear from Siron. Yeah. About this. Maybe he has some more opinions. Yeah. From his point of view. And his is especially, you know, enlightening because he's in the industry. And, yeah. Yeah. And writes in. You know. So, here we are at the end of episode 198. Earlier we were joking that maybe we'll make episode 200 just like 20 minutes long or something. Yeah. Well, we've gone beyond 198 minutes. Holy cow. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's not right. We've. I'm sorry. We're at 2 hours and 11 minutes. We're not okay. at 198 minutes. My gosh, I'm like, how many? that's 3 hours. <laughs> it's 4 in the morning. <laughs> we've enjoyed ourselves, needless I, to say. I did. I had a good time just talking. Yeah. Me too, um, and I hope that listeners did, that all of you out there did as well, and share your thoughts on any of the million things we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, we hit everything. Whether it was the Phantom Menace, or Diablo 3, or Ready Player One. Literature. Colfax. <laughs> yeah, I, Wheel I, of Time. I, unfortunately, I don't have any advice to offer for <laughs> Colfax, like if you're looking for a hooker. I don't know. It's somewhere along there. There's a somewhere. place. You just gotta, you got to be dedicated. There's a there's a um, local channel like a public access channel here called John TV where they will um, show like all the people That's that get busted right. from um, you know from like the uh, Vice Squad when they come through <laughs> and like all the Johns that get caught. So I forgot they did that. I haven't um, ever seen it, but I have seen. There's been like a couple of prostitution ring um, busts, and the ladies that they've shown are like really. I would not pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but... <laughs> that your standards are that low. My, yeah, you're, I'm sorry your standards are so low because that, that yeah, no. That's not even for free, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or that, you can write in about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that... To mail... M-A-I-L... At com. We'll be back next week, maybe with or without Diablo 3 impressions, depending on how quickly oh. we get our games in the mail. Man, I hope. Did you order yours through um, Best Buy or Amazon? Best Buy was out of stock. Amazon was out of stock, so I got mine through Fry's. Oh, Fry's is huge, though. They are huge, but I don't like the term the terminology on their order confirmation screen. It was 
order acknowledgement. It wasn't an order confirmation. It was an acknowledgement. Uh, I'm like, did I just make a request? Uh, and you're like considering. You're well, mulling over whether are you you're actually going to accept my order. Collector's edition worth. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure if Fry's has really blessed my order. Oh, man, that sounds bad. But we'll see. I got in with uh, Best Buy, and it was really funny because there was the in-store pickup option for midnight. Yeah. And I was like, no, because we've had so many stories we've covered over the years of... People getting jumped people, in the parking lot. Well, or they go to Best Buy, and they're like, oh, we soldiers. We're sorry. We don't know how this happened. Oh, gosh. So I was just like, no, just mail it. And if I get it on the 16th, I get it on the 16th. I don't really care as long as I get it in time for the weekend. So, yes. You know, just, I don't know, hypothetically, I have more time on the weekend. Really, I think I don't, but, you know. We'll work it out somehow. Yeah. If I, uh, what I have to do is feign, like, death, and then my family will be, like, oh, in mourning, and I'll just be hiding in the basement. Meanwhile, you know, we'll see. But that wraps it up, I guess. Yeah. That's what we have to look forward to next week. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Best podcast in the world. I play Channel. World of Warcraft for Channel. 10 years. Channel. If I can't play Diablo 3 soon, Channel. I might just kill myself. Channel.